We watched Female Bukaki. Is that what it's called, Emma? Reverse, reverse, yeah, oh, reverse Bukaki. <laughs> and it was, it was that one? one guy. I can see okay, I've never. Just hold on. Everyone just <laughs> hold on. But he had. But, just. But. Hey there! <laughs> Uh, you were on your cell phone, you son of a bitch, that's why. No, I wasn't. I wasn't, you liar. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> hey there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California, USA, darling. All right. Exactly. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. And the sun was out a bit today, so the we sun, can't say Yeah, that. I mean, you know, it's it's cold, but cold is a very relative it's, uh, term. Comparatively, it was pretty nice. Yeah, it was California cold. It's California cold, but it was a, it was a pretty day, and we got lots done. Yeah, which means California cold means in the middle of the winter, it means there's only about a three-hour span that you can wear shorts and t-shirts. Exactly. Well, I, I think I can just describe it this way. When I got up this morning, I had to go pick up some feeler gauges, so I rolled by the garage. Actually, I went shopping and on my way home came by the garage. There's Liza sitting in the parking lot, sunning in a chair, eating a bunch of leftover Dungeness crab we had eaten last night. <laughs> Butter dribbling down her chin. Nice. And we're looking at each other like, yeah, this is the crab lady. winter. Wait a minute. This California is, This is living. crab you ate last night? Yeah, Liza will, yeah. What? I refrigerated it. And then oh, I had well, it for breakfast. No, we got a bunch of crabs last night. And yeah, anyway. Hey, everybody. <laughs> this is Liza. And uh, we got uh, we got a full house tonight. So let's get to the introductions. Let's see. Over on uh, Swapping Sides. Oh. Swapping Sides. Over on the side, we've got mm, Henry. Nobody could <laughs> ever accuse you of swapping sides. <laughs> hey, what's oh up? Oh, my God. <laughs> <gasps> on the good mic tonight. Let's see. It might make him sound even sexier. We've got Knock. What's up, guys and gals and everybody of all sorts of... Hi. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. I don't even, just don't, I don't go even, there. I don't even, I don't even fucking <laughs> Just go stop. There. Sup, dickheads? Yeah. Yeah, yeah see? Uh, yeah, it didn't help. No. On that was, that was the bad, classy girl high. couch tonight, we've got Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. It's nice to have you back. We missed it's, you. Yeah, I'm, I miss coming down here, too, but... um. It's been the holidays, darling. I've been, I know. A, I've been a busy Emma. Yes, I'm you have. Back now, though. And also on the classy girl couch tonight, first time joining us, we've got Fish. Hello, everyone. There you go. That's how you do it. That's right. See, not just nice and simple. I could never, never learn. I could never learn. <laughs> I know. That's because he has that rock and roller background. You could just hear it in the, in the voice. <laughs> also on the classy girl couch tonight, returning once again, we've got Serge. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want more than that? Hey, this is Serge. There you glad, go. Glad to be here. There you go. <laughs> he's, he's been on pain meds a while. We'll catch you, you some you slack. you got to rock that bass, man. Oh, yeah. Here, we'll get down in the uh, DJ Oh, my gosh. Yeah. From when he used see. to be a DJ. Oh, panties yeah. being thrown in the air right now. Could, Woo! Yeah. Yours? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what of it, bitch? <laughs> Henry, you Very are on good one. Don't kink Fire. shame. Don't kink shame. <laughs> Henry, you are on fire, darling. I'm impressed. Wow. That was pretty wow. good. On the train side of the room tonight, woot we've woot. got Z Traveler. What's up? <laughs> and also 
on the train side of the room. So far, he's been quite behaved, and I want to give him a round of applause for making it this long. Yeehaw. We got Naked Jim. Yeah, that's me. Peace, love, and soul. That's all I got. <laughs> Life's good. Uh, peace, love, and It's been and, quite a day. Yeah. And yes, and I know it's not motorcycle related, but it is, actually, because uh, Jim and I had a, we had a moment last night. We did. Oh, really? We did. <laughs> Was it an intimate moment? Oh, God. In a um, it was messy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have innocent ears, wait, okay, wait. guys. In, were in a motorbike? Involved? It was well lubricated. And hot and steamy. Ooh, was, it, was it a reverse moment? <laughs> did, it no. smell, did it smell like fish? Yes. Uh, no, crap. There it is. There it is. I knew the crap happened. God. No, one of the advantages of living where we do here in Santa Cruz, <clears throat> we decided last minute, like, hey, you want to have crab for dinner? Yeah. So I rode the three blocks down to the to the ocean and went and bought crabs, which they will... Hey, there he is. Hey, hey, Isaac's here. Hey, Isaac. Why don't you go over there? Um, yeah, this mic's... So they'll crack, crack the crabs for you. I just take it home in a bag. Meanwhile, he went and got some uh, sourdough bread yeah, for I garlic bread and corn. And that's all you need because it's everything you can slather in butter. It was and, great. You had to <clears> hike a whole two blocks to Hernandez Market for <laughs> sound like Watsonville sourdough. Such suffering. But here's how it's motorcycle related. We sat down to this most excellent meal and realized we can do better. So we brought out the computer and put on like Dakar updates. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, buddy. It was, well, we mixed it up too, so we watched a car, which was cool. Um, I would and say some, we like, more and some, some enduro racing stuff like that. Right. We just sat there happily, just tearing apart crabs, <laughs> dripping butter over everything, and watching uh, motorcycle races. Yeah. Oh, and we called a little bit of a MC Garage on from motorcycles.com. Mm-hmm. I like if you haven't seen it. I think it's Ari Hennings' name. Um, great YouTube little snippets. Uh, on MC Garage, so yeah, it was fun though. We had a ton of crab. You can throw it down. I got pretty yeah. stuffed towards the end. But oh. Yeah, then sure enough, I pull up this morning and who's <laughs> finishing it off? Yeah. As an aside, uh, Kevin Cameron also has a YouTube page. It's like oh, Ask Kevin he? or something, and he's got like 10, 30 plus videos, and he just explains technical shit about bikes. And it's was that cool. you posted that? I think I did that on the web. You don't uh, need to, darling, because you've got me. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, and, and now that Isaac has officially sat down, say hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. There you go. It's been a while since you've been here. Yeah, I've been <clears throat> exhausted every Busy. Sunday from bringing new children into the fold. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, making new rides. Did you just get out of a class or something? Yeah. Oh, nice. How yeah, was it? Me and Craig, actually, all weekend. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, very good. Uh, just it you two? Great. Yeah, uh, yeah, you only need uh, two instructors, one instructor per six students. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Very right good. On. Who has the SD1300 outside? Oh, that would be me. Is that an X? That's you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that X Police? Yep. Oh, I like the crash bars. <laughs> That's a $2,500 bike. You Did you feel anybody? Did you have to fail anybody today? Uh, I don't fail people. The test fails people. Ah. <laughs> yeah, no, very nice. Uh, yeah, one. Yeah? Yeah, one. Oh, well, next but, time. Yeah, and then two people. I hope they don't listen. Um, two people who I thought would fail did not. Hmm. Uh, cause it, we do this low-speed weave where all the cones are offset and it's really hard. And two yeah. people who'd only managed it once during the whole practice session nailed it. So that good okay. for them. Good. Yeah, it was awesome. That's learning. That must suck to fail. Life. No, you just class. practice a little bit more and then take the test again. Life in the friction zone. It's not a big deal. Have you been telling people that if they need more gear to come at, come I'm down and trying. get it? I'm trying. 
we got a stocked garage. Thank you to everyone who's been bringing uh, gear. Uh, Yuri Berrigan came and dropped off some really nice. Like who, who scored those Daytona? Daytona it, gloves? Nobody yet. Some Daytona gloves, some held. Oh, you really mean, nice stuff. You mean famous Isle of Man TT racer? <laughs> yes. An all-around handsome dude. <laughs> Yuri Berrigan. Well, he looks kind of homeless right now. Yeah, no, he's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's a look. He was. He definitely had sort of careworn look about him. Derelict. Derelict. That look. But yeah, thank you to everyone who's been um, bring, dropping gear off, sending in. I mean, we are overflowing. I did manage. There was a first-time rider or a new rider who came by today with a bike. I think we're going to mention in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had no gear on and a three-quarter helmet. So I first thing I did is dragged him into the side yeah. room. Got him. At least I got Thank him some you. gloves. Yeah. Got him kitted. I him. tell every single class the nickname for three-quarter helmets. Chin eraser. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Z. Why do you always look at me when we talk about helmets? <laughs> hey, Isaac, notice Z's chin. I got some nice new scars. You do? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, from sliding down the freeway in her happy helmet. How free- How recently? December oh. 12th. I got run over by a car. <laughs> the bottom of my like, leg. I got nothing. Funny how that. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, not, yeah, I'm no. not gonna. We're not gonna start. <laughs> we're not we so, just won't start. Because I will get way. I will go off the rails. So for we some reason, the helmet start. didn't stop my MCL from getting torn in my knee. So the only thing. Surgery. I, only thing I will say in Z's defense is <laughs> only thing. She, no, no. She does not wear a full face helmet by decision of, of of a protest, personal protest, not because what looks cool. And that's the thing. A lot of the kids that come in in like so cool three quarter helmets are because it's like a cool vintage bell or trendy. something. And it's cool. Yeah. So she's at least making an educated decision about her choice. And it's not about what. I don't give a fuck the way I look. If you guys see yeah, me on a normal America. day, you get to do what you want, even if it's stupid. I have, I have one. Hel- I have. I have three looks: jeans, shorts, mostly barefoot, and I have the same hoodie that I've been wearing for the last year. So I don't care how I look. <laughs> Z is a, a helmet law protester. Yeah. So what is the protest of wearing an open face versus a full face? Me? Yeah. Well, she wears a halfy helmet because yeah. she's required to by law, and it's the smallest thing she could possibly wear. Yeah. However, <clears throat> if it's my pannier, this has been extensively debated by us. And by no, 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 yeah. no. But I'm lending my support in her decision. Right. And my point mm-hmm. being that we have a lot of gear, and that we want to um, give, give it, it away, away to people. We want to give, give it, it away, away. Give it away now. I wish there was a jacket in there that fit me because. Um, my jacket sucks. We have a lot of good stuff. So yeah, Isa, you got to drag them down here, man. I I can't legally drag people, but I sure as hell have been telling them about it. We won't tell anyone. I've been trying real hard. I had a I had a, a young female welder, and I was like, you would fit in. Liza's always trying to get more girls down here, but apparently oh, she right. showed up. You've been I could, really, I could use a welder a, right now. A huh? welder. What? Were you messaging me about a welder? Yeah, I, I, yeah, we had a, a girl who's like in the welding union or something, and she. Oh, cool. I was like, you should check out the garage. We and want one of those. And she didn't. Ooh, we do yeah. want one of those. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> let's let's get into. I mean, we had a few people come by. Frank came by, and I gave him a list of things right. to do some maintenance on his bike. Um, <clears throat> among that, one of the things we remind people now simple things like flushing your brake fluid things people don't think about because you can't see it and you don't notice it because it's such a gradual change but his bike is a late 90s bike it's a late 90s with like 20,000 miles on it 535 and just a reminder for everyone we've talked about this before but brake fluid is hygroscopic which basically means any moisture in the air 
it will suck it out of the air and absorb it within itself. So even just the fact that it's sitting there, it's deteriorating. So it, it's got a finite life. So after you open a thing of brake fluid, yes. um, how long can it sit on the shelf before you should not consider using it again? Do you like, want the official? No, like the realistic. Like if it's been open a week or two, <laughs> can you still use it? But it has yeah, a cap oh, on yeah. it. Yeah, as long as squeeze you, all the air out of the bottle. Because well, I just flushed my brakes on the FC1, Look, and it, I got a little left over, but it's enough to save. That's fine. Right, uh, here, yeah. the, here's the realistic thing. I'm going to give you the realistic thing, because brake fluid's really cheap as chips. If you take a quarter of a... Uh, a, a, a can of brake fluid put the top on tight you know you're okay to use it again it's when you get down to half and this is this is what i do at work when i get down to half and you've got a substantial amount of air above that and obviously every time you take the air moisture in the air you know um, check it away just chuck it away. That makes sense, because the more air that's in the thing, the more moisture there is. Yeah, exactly. Just do what I do. That Take the two half bottles, put them together. Now you got a full bottle. Less air. That's right. Nice. There you go. <laughs> um, I, and, I and, think and, I might have done that with all the ones in the garage. Uh, yeah, that's what we ago. do here. Take <laughs> this recycle away. And also... Um, with Fruit dye in the brake fluid. I seem to remember that. Yes, Gem. that's God. a good idea. Um, Stop. Another thing with Frank, he had a leaky um, fork seal. Yes. And so I to- showed him how to take the dust seal off and to get one of the seal mates, which really, mm, that, that should go on the list of the like tools whopper. everybody should have. Seal mate, for those that don't know, is a little plastic thin, right. how do you say it? Like, like a piece of plastic. Like a hook. It's right. like a two-dimensional hook. Yes. And you yeah. can put it down into your fork seals and scoop out any dirt or debris, which often is what's causing the leak. You know, I like those because a lot of times they work most mm-hmm. of the time. On dirt and they're bikes, so, they're great. Yeah, on dirt bikes. And they're so small that they right. take up zero space. The, the reality mm-hmm. is certainly here in Santa Cruz and where we are in Monterey, we have some fairly unique problems. And we're very, very close to the coast. And we have a lot of this salt-laden fog. And... You'll see a bike come in. It's absolutely perfect. But the leading edge of everything, including mm. the forks, is just pitted all to hell because of the, the salt air. And that's what takes out your fork seals in a lot of street bikes, um, in which case you can scrape them all you want. But yeah, so they're trash. They're <coughs> or you just tie a handkerchief around the fork seal. Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Soak it up. Um, so that was just a good tip I told him. And uh, clean it all up and we'll see you next week if it's leaking again. Yeah, we can, it, we, can, we can chuck him a sub. That is a good tool. But, um, Knock, we had a new guy show up, Gavin. Yeah, that, Gavin. Um, I was going to say that you took him under your wing, but it was more like we all fled and you were the last man standing. Well, no, actually... <laughs> you think that's what happened? No. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. What, a, what actually happened was Gavin came down looking like he needed help and I like you know I like pairing people up and knock needed pairing up with somebody at that moment well I mean he pulled up and I was like I guess I guess I'm taking care of him man I'm well, like well, all right actually full disclosure he was Asian so yeah, it he seemed was. obvious God. Jesus Christ what? <laughs> you know he looked like a young he version would feel more of, comfortable he looked like <laughs> a young version of knock it's nice uh, that nothing's changed since the last time I was here yeah yeah no absolutely nothing has changed but I, I think it was a perfect marriage. Yeah, uh, what did he roll up on? It was like a some kind Honda of Shadow. Honda Shadow. Okay, a Shadow six hundred. What year? Six hundred. Um, ninety five, maybe. Yeah, something like that. That was a six hundred mile. That's a VLX. Yes, jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Honda Shadow VLX <clears throat> Deluxe. Anyway, uh, she With rolled up a lot of obvious 
thing. Well, the first obvious thing that I saw was he had a really shagged front tire, and yes. uh, it, it appeared to have oh, no. be low on air. Uh, that's <laughs> which appeared to be. Then we find out that uh, his clutch lever is misadjusted, and so we adjusted that. Uh, gave him a new clutch adjuster, boss, uh, by the lever. Uh, we had some spares floating around because what he had was like hamburgered from a drop, apparently. Mm-hmm. So we fixed that. We and so his, you know, we prevented his clutch from dragging, which worked out pretty. We all kind of descended on it from different angles and yeah. started pointing <laughs> it out. And I saw that the throttle cables are bent and had been taped up. And the and there was the throttle was sticking. Not just that. As I was twisting the throttle, see if it was sticking. I pulled the throttle uh, grip right off. This it just is making me came off. Behind the knees. It just yeah. slid right off. So yeah, the handlebars. No, so safe. What was the actual pressure in the front tire? Did you measure it? Oh, uh, we didn't measure it. Five, Probably like three, I, three and a half. I caught my friend actually riding with five psi in the front tire. We'll we'll get to that in a uh, second. Oh, only yeah. stayed on because it was a Metzler. You know, if you do wheelies, you don't need a front tire. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're not this doing wheelies. This is a Vulcan custom. They don't do wheelies. Wait a minute. Hang on, hang on. Someone said, you can't do wheelies on a shadow. That sounds like a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Someone is going to do this. Some now. asshole is going to write to us and go, I did wheelies on well, a fucking shadow, man. Video Just, uh, or it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Fish is the uh, founder and president of the City Bike uh, Society for the Preservation of Front Tires. Uh, <laughs> I want a pamphlet. If you go to the, our Instagram, you can see a lot of examples of this happening. Excellent. <laughs> so yeah. And on this, on this bike, my, my first notice was the extremely rusted chain that will probably snap soon. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that thing had a really loose chain and. Uh, We'll eventually have well, to sort that. Well, it was loose on one side. It is brown. Yeah. Oh, that um, soon. So, and the thing I thought was funny is uh, we were noticing quickly all these things that are troublesome. Yeah. But his only complaint was that his handlebars were bent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and mind you that these are not the stock handlebars. They're, no, they're really... these are the praying mantis The praying bars. mantis really bent up ones. And because of this... Uh, the brake lines and the, the clutch lever the brake line was, was taut, taut and it was bent and it was actually abrading oh, and they were well, in, internally starting to break well, he, he yeah, knew it was fine it's fine it's fine it still moves it's, it's cool you know? so, about leave, some of the issues did, he just did didn't the rear brake work it. the rear brake I believe worked oh it's fine yeah oh it's yeah. fine <laughs> um, so we we, uh, we we gave him a list of what stuff to get right and uh and we decided, and he came in with actually with a new front tire and but I, no tube but no tube so okay I spoke room this is yep. Yep. what we should have done first <laughs> it was it was lunch at a show watching dog take the tire key. off put fucking air in the tires to see if that tube was fucked up because what we found out later was that there was a there was a hole in the in the tube and it really oh. didn't present itself uh, we we filled it with air and and it. It you know wasn't leaking, but like once we got it in the in the rim, there was I guess enough pressure to you know let the air escape from the inner tube. So we uh, we eventually yeah we, we walked, levered off the Are old tire, put the new it? one. Well, I'm positive we didn't pinch it because you know we got our hands in there and we formed the tire, whatever, right? We put a little bit some of air weird, in there. Some weird hand motions going on. Yeah, today. and uh, it worked out just fine. And then uh, we find out that uh, it was leaking from where the valve stem uh, core was. Uh, so I'm hoping we didn't pinch it, but like maybe could we could have pinched it, but it didn't seem like but it because that shit was in there pretty Nevertheless, good. you know, I feel better that the bike didn't leave here even yeah. with a new front tire on because, you know, it had, it, it had multiple <clears throat> problems and all you can do yeah. in a case like that is work through each 
individual problem yeah. onto the next and so on and so forth and, yeah. and get him down the road. <coughs> yeah, so, uh, I was going to say, he is the perfect example of the type of community that w- we need to help. And that's why students. we're here. <coughs> oh, yeah. sure. absolutely. First, first bike, doesn't know anything about it, is just riding it until something goes wrong and something's going to go wrong really soon because we found say, a whole bunch of problems. Didn't he say like $800 he paid for that thing? <coughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, and, and he had no knowledge, and we were trying like not to like bucks. pick on him and like point out all these things. And the first thing I said was, "Do you have any money?" Because that's important. You have to prioritize. Yeah. Um, but he didn't know, and I didn't want to make him feel like shit. But I, I, I made him more of an effort to make him feel like shit later. Yeah. Well, we asked him what was his budget was, and we threw out like three hundred bucks to, for the repairs, and he's like, "Okay, we could, I could do that." I mean, this. The, the greatest expense would be for a chain and sprockets. Everything else is right. pretty under twenty dollars or something. And you like know that. the truth is, that bike has got the potential to be a good bike. Oh yeah. And if if you if we could get him on a good, reliable cruiser bike with no real mechanical issues for like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. He's, he's quits in. You know. He's, he, he's okay. He'll be he, all right. He's okay. Yeah. No. We. Uh, so uh, we parked the bike and uh, we just decided to just work on it next week. And he's going to order the parts and hopefully uh, next week we'll, we'll right. put a new tube in and do, you know do all, the, all the fixes. Do you know what? who's running the garage next week? Not I am, and you are, yeah. And whoever else? Is Where up. is everyone going to be at next weekend? Away. Jim uh, is uh, doing stuff and Liza's doing stuff, and so I'm going to South Dakota. That's right. <laughs> Did you ask him when the last time he did an oil change was? We did not. Uh, we didn't even check the be, oil level. I used to be that guy who didn't know anything <laughs> I, I about it. We all used to be that guy. I was scared of oil changes, and that's how I blew up my first bike, <laughs> and we should... I'm just finding out that he bought that bike for 800 bucks. If I would have known that from the get-go, I'd have been like, oh, fuck. I run the list, you know? The front tire is serious, though. It's Yeah, I mean, you could cause serious problems so fast. I didn't know to look at my tires, and I told my mechanic after, like, two weeks after I bought the bike, I'd been hanging around the shop. I was like, I'm going to ride to Florida. And he's like, not on that front tire. Not on those tires, you're not. Yeah. Those were his exact words. Yeah. And I was like, oh, uh... Do I need different ones? <laughs> and he was like, yes. I got these sparks cut out of my tires, man. What's going on with these yeah. things? Well, and here's a, here's why it's so important. Um, he's riding around not knowing that any of these things might become a problem. His right. throttle can stick. The brake line could leak out. He could lose his front brakes. All of these things, uh, even the chain, the chain Take could snap. Right. All of these things could lead to a horrible, Disaster. horrible accident. Which brings us to our next topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so we've got Serge and Fish here from City Bike Magazine. You uh, know them from the City Bike Minute, and Serge has been here before. And um, and Z coming back also. Z, it's been a while. Yes, since we've had weeks. you in here. Um, so both of you have had accidents. Z, you're slowly recovering, but it's definitely waylaid you, and it's just kind of made your life a little more suck right now. Yeah, lots of suck ass going <clears throat> right now. And Serge can tell you about that, too. Serge, how, how have you been doing? Uh, you know, it's been kind of a long, a long uh, yes. pain in the ass. What do you call it? Maybell May- Maybell's Manor. Maybell, Maybell Manor. Yeah. <laughs> Manor. Yeah. You know, I've got to say, Serge, forgive me because I just remembered you did your last interview with us from your hospital bed, didn't you? Uh, yeah, it was a hospital bed in my living room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I lived in a basically lived in a hospital bed in my living room for about six weeks. Something yeah. like that. So um, tell everybody what happened. Because the, the big reminder here is, um, well, 
it, it doesn't always have to be a you know a, a near death experience. It could be something. Yeah, you know, not not a possible fatal, but it can be something that can really fuck you up. It's kind of amazing, honestly, how bad um, things can go wrong at a pretty low speed crash. Yeah, um, I was going probably twenty five thirty miles an hour uh, in Oakland um, on a scooter. Um, uh, Bergman 400 um, and I was doing the scooter thing this is a press bike it's not my own motorcycle um, I was doing the scooter thing and intentionally not wearing my stitch not wearing boots um, I was in like you know low top shoes lightweight pants and whatnot. well it's a scooter right it's a scooter and so this is the there's a huge discussion around like whether the sort of methodology of riding a scooter like that makes sense when nothing when you don't crash it's fine right? but <laughs> anyway I had ridden into BART and gone into the city and blah 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 and came back and I was riding home and in sort of a oddball choice decided not to go up high street which is kind of like you know, damnation alley or something like this and uh it's a it's a war zone and i cut on down a different street and a guy um backed out of a uh, a parking lot um basically into me um at you know relatively quick and i saw him coming and braked really hard and tried to cut to the left in hopes he might stop and we had sort of a 45 degree angle collision mm-hmm. um and uh, my right leg took it mostly, and I flew through the air, and um, the scooter, I think, kind of went on its own way and ended up hitting another car off on the side of the road. Uh, and uh, my right knee was shattered. My um, foot was uh, basically broken in half and uh, broke my left middle finger. Hmm. And when you say shattered your knee, what, it's like in pieces like yeah they cut out a bunch of the socket and replaced it with cadaver bones and some metal yeah so the first night i had surgery on my foot and they basically put a bunch of external fixators on my foot Um, they straightened it out a little and uh put all this external metal on there the next morning they did surgery on my knee um and then about a month or so later they did another surgery on my foot where they sort of took it off all that external stuff um, and uh, uh, you know kind of rebroke it and because it started to heal straightened it out some more and put a bunch of erector set shit into my foot um, screws and plates and all this kind of stuff to hold the foot kind of together and then uh, every one of my metatarsals was broken uh, oh. along with uh, oh. yikes you know, dude yeah it was gnarly a, a friend had a similar injury slightly worse and they amputated like two thirds of his foot oh, so, oh wait <clears throat> Do we know him? Kickstand? Is that, is that oh, yeah. kickstand? <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, and then uh, I think after that was when I talked to you guys, or maybe right before that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, probably a few weeks later, as I was thinking, okay, I'm about to, you know, I'm in a wheelchair and whatnot, you know, and like I said, I had a hospital bed in my in my living room where I basically stayed um, for a good long time. Uh, I was thinking, okay, it's about to be time to start walking again, and. Um, I had started feeling really shitty for a couple of days, hmm. and uh, like fever or something like that, or like it... fever, weakness, etc. And oh, just wow. really, really shitty. And I was like changing my clothes, and my foot popped, like physically popped. I heard it and I felt it. Oh, and I thought like one of the screws had come out or something, uh, and went to the emergency room in excruciating pain. Oh, and shit. everything was fine, like hardware wise, but I had a pretty gnarly infection and I ended up being in the hospital for another eight days. Oh, wow. No. So uh, it's now been a little over, I don't know, five months, something like this. It's been a long time. Yeah. I started walking again probably four weeks ago. Um, 
and uh, I can put shoes on my right foot now. Yes. Um, but only these, you know, little kids' shoes with Velcro on them. Um, <laughs> it'll be a while before I can put a boot on my foot. So until I can put a boot on, I won't be able to ride. So um, um, yeah, you know. So you well, have PT- no, sorry. Unless you ride a scooter. Do you have like PT lined up for you, or like physical therapy and all this business? Yeah. And? Fortunately, I have. So there's a there's a lesson here about insurance and stuff like that. But one I was going to ask. Yeah. One side of it is that I have really good health coverage. Um, I have Kaiser and. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that has been really, really helpful. Um, they've taken care of everything in a really good way at a pretty low cost. That's cool. Um, you know, and that has been uh, one sort of pretty positive thing. Okay. Yeah, because there's also the, the the physical pain having to deal being you know on interaction, and then like having to deal with the paperwork, insurance yeah. people, and and all the you know administrative yeah. stuff that's a pain in the ass too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have a pretty good plan. I know that Kaiser has some shitty plans too, but yeah, you know, um, the Kaiser uh, Hospital in in uh, Oakland is awesome. It's like a nice hotel. Yeah, um, I spent a bunch of time there. Now I think I'm in total of 14 days across mm-hmm. like four different surgeries. Now I think, um, and uh, you know they've they've taken good care of me. Cool. So, um, you since you can't wear a boot or anything, what is your prognosis for getting back on a bike? Uh, at some point, I'll get back on a bike. Um, you know, when I can get my foot into a boot, I'll start riding regularly again. Uh, well, the leg is really weak, so mm-hmm. it'll until I'm you know comfortable with being able to hold a bike up on the right side. You know, if if it's an ideal stop, everything's cool. You know, you put your left foot down, or I would put my left foot down, and it'd be fine. But you know in kind of general riding you have to sometimes choose which foot's going down mm-hmm. and stuff like that and right now my leg wouldn't be able to support much of a bike wow. um so uh i'm i'm gonna hold off until that's like a little more doable yeah or just you know get a ttr <laughs> yeah i think I, I used to have a ttr you still might you haven't looked in your basement lately have you <laughs> just turn left on a track the whole time yeah, yeah. I mean I, so I have a one of the bikes in the basement is an XT225 which is low oh, enough yeah. to you know to get it back on um, and you know that or that's probably the only bike I can really get on for a wait, while wait is it a yeah. start or kickstart it's an electric start okay yeah. good yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't kickstart anything now um you know, there's always the pull start bikes, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have a bike for him, Liza. Which one? The Mini Moto Monster 1000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got a bitch and electric mini bike for you. Oh, nice. Yeah, we got a couple of them because you got to have them in pairs. And and to the police, they're mobility scooters. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Which means we can ride them anywhere and around. to you, it's a mobility scooter, too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, um, Z... So you, I mean, we know that we did a little report <clears throat> on you that you had crashed. How was your recovery coming? Because they're not always straightforward and easy. Um, so I wrecked a month and a day ago, yeah. uh, December 12th. Um, I low-sided getting onto 101 in wet conditions, barrel rolled across all four lanes, had a car run over the bottom part of my legs and run over the bike. If we hadn't been run over, I probably just picked my bike up and left. And how's the bike? Oh, bikes totaled. Okay. The gas the gas tank was split, and I didn't want to put three hundred eighty dollars to get it out that next day, and I couldn't anyways because the title I think is in Florida. But um, so I just left it there. Um, but I flew out to Seattle. That was a Tuesday that I wrecked. I flew out to Seattle on Wednesday, the th- December thirteenth. Had to get a wheelchair. I had to have someone you know take me through. That was the quickest time I've ever gotten through security in the airport, though. <laughs> like I got to skip all the lines. I didn't even have to take my shoes off. I'm like, it's really hard for me to bend down to take my shoes off. They're just like, all right, we'll just do this like test, and then you can go. I'm um, all right. I got, I got the plane first. It was great. 
But then I was in Seattle and I was looking in the market to get back on a bike because my bike's my home. It's not just transportation. Right. It, it carries everything that I need. It takes me everywhere. It's the only thing I have. So I needed to be back on one like now. So I was looking on the market. There wasn't anything in California in my price range. And I was looking in the Seattle marketplace on Facebook and I saw this 1991 DR350. Fell in love with it. This guy had this long post, all the details about everything he'd done to it, all the parts on it. And I'm like, yeah, I like that one. So I contact him. Uh, actually, what happened is that he was changing the oil for me before I went to go pick it up and it cracked the case. So he bought a new case cover and put that on. So it's got a brand new case cover on that side. And uh, oil changed and all that. So I, I rode it from Seattle, December 20th. I did from Seattle to Salem. And then waited out a couple of days of rain. On Christmas Day, I did from Salem to Crescent City, where I had to stop for the night and get my first hotel room ever because I was in so much pain, I couldn't take it anymore. And then I finished from Crescent City to uh, San Jose the 26th. Yeah. On the pain note, can we go back to the part where a car ran over your leg? <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's like, how are you not broken? <laughs> yeah, like, the, everyone just can't so understand that I... it didn't, it that didn't I, just oh, smash oh, them? Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. How much fluid was removed from your leg the other day? Okay, so I went to the doctor last week, and uh, she removed 75 milliliters of Fuck. fluid this is a month from after my, the crash. From my, literally, her prognosis was it looks like a waterbed. Because it actually like it w- wiggled like a waterbed when you tap the, the fluid. There's so much fluid in my leg, and now I have to keep it compressed trying to get the nerves to reattach to the skin. But my right leg's all right. Um, still a lot of lumps and weird feelings, but I'm getting my, my mobility back. Um, getting my strength back in that leg but my left leg uh going in for an x-ray my ankle tomorrow probably have a fracture somewhere in there because it still hurts and then possible torn mcl which can put me down for two to three months after surgery but Mm. i'm waiting on the mri for that yeah 75 milliliters uh milliliters milliliters is about a third of a cup it's it's Thank one you. and a half mini. It's oh one no! Half, it's one and a half vodka minis. So. Oh and oh yeah, they're right here. Vodka that's, minis. I don't that's know. That's not as much as I imagined. Seven and a half that's syringes. Not, that's all I have. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That was oh, probably more. And I want to say, oh shit, geez. I want to say that Bagel <laughs> has joined us. Hey Bagel. Hello. Bagel. There you are. Um, so for either of your, for both of your crashes, uh, in hindsight, anything you would do different. Not get on 101 going too fast in wet conditions. Okay. <laughs> did you low side from the front or the rear? Uh, like, did you hit the throttle too hard and wash out the rear, or did you lean in too hard and wash out the front? I think I, I leaned in too hard. Okay. But honestly, I was riding, and then I wasn't riding. I'm like, what the hell's happening? I realized yeah, I low was, side. <laughs> I, yeah, I realized that I was, like, not riding anymore, and I, I realized that my, my jacket had pulled up, and I was scraping, and I, I tucked my arms in and started rolling to reduce the uh, the road rash. So I call that moment, why am I on the ground? Yeah, why am I, what happened yeah. to my motorcycle? The, so far, the answer every time I've asked myself that question is always, you were on dirt tires and you forgot. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I've low sided three on dirt, dirt on dirt tires, but I still forget. Oh, yeah, I've low sided <laughs> three dirt bikes by leaning them in like they're on street tires. But you know, one of the problems we have in California is around this time of year. Every single one of us dreads that first heavy rain. Yeah. Because it doesn't rain a great deal in California. It's just like the song. And so when you get that first rain, 
you get like six, seven months worth of grease that's in the tarmac well, mm-hmm. come up. Yeah. It's like being on a frigging skating rink. Wet leaves are what I fear the most. Oh, Piles oh, of yeah. wet pine I needles, I dumped the man. bike on wet leaves, too. Yeah. Oh, wet no. leaves. I always so, like the, the paint stripes, like oh, the yeah. big yeah. painted oh, arrows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, are, those are my favorite. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw recently, our, one, our friend R1 Rich posted, he was walking in a crosswalk mm. and almost ate right. it on, on new, uh, <laughs> new paint. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, um, so, Serge, I mean, obviously... Now, do you have your own rule of all the gear all the time, no matter what? You know, um, I have a long list of things that I probably could have done a little differently that would have changed the outcome of the crash. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I don't think I could have, you know, avoided the crash completely in either way. In either, you know, I'm pretty much, you know, head on a swivel all the time. I'm a fairly accomplished rider, all this kind of stuff. Um, but the the things I would have done differently are a little bit different than like, oh, I would have turned differently or something like this. Mm. Um, Fish and I have argued back and forth quite a bit whether having real motorcycle boots on would have made a difference. Um, it would have mitigated the injuries to my foot for sure. Um, I don't think it would have changed the soft tissue damage in my ankle because my boots are just, I wear CD on roads usually and they're yeah. kind of like just a leather boot. Mm. Um, but this additional stiffness of the sole and the fact that it would have stayed on my foot probably would have mitigated the damage to my foot. Um, I think there's probably a big conversation to be had about this like all the gear all the time versus like actually riding a motorcycle for you know if we want to increase utility riding you know the notion that everybody's got to have you know a stitch and all this stuff right out of the gate is is improper and impossible and all this kind of stuff yeah. and in other parts of the country or the world rather we see all kinds of people riding around and in, in a, you know way less than all the gear so there's there's that conversation um the you know having my stitch on wouldn't have affected the uh the destruction of my knee and stuff like that um i'm grateful that i had a good full face helmet on um <laughs> it is you know scarred down the yeah. front and i would have yeah. had less of a uh, you know l- lost some of my good looks which is where i make all my money um, <laughs> <laughs> for radio right there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> this is the face of radio um the other thing is that i would i, I think about insurance differently now as well um mm. so long ago i made a decision that oh, i don't want to pay for this um uninsured uh, underinsured motorist bullshit because oh, no. oh. it like doubles the cost of the policy right and at some point it probably for me yeah, at some point, I you know I probably thought like, oh, this is too much. I don't want to give these bastards more money, and I ha- and I thought, okay, I have excellent health insurance. I always make sure I have that, so it didn't matter. And all my bikes are either cheap enough to where I don't care if I if I you know destroy one of them or they're they have full coverage on them. So I just didn't worry about that. But the thing is, uninsured or underinsured motorists would cover pain and suffering and whatnot um, in case of a hit from someone who's not insured or underinsured. And that's actually mm. kind of a thing here. The guy that hit me had insurance, but it was California state minimums. And those numbers are yep. ridiculous. They it's only 15,000. Yeah. That's nothing. You guys exactly. have 15 here? It's 25 in Oklahoma. It's 15 and five here. Um, and that's those huh. numbers were, I think, set into law in what, the early right. 90s, maybe the late 80s. Hmm. And they're ridiculous. Yeah. And so um, I think my Kaiser bill, if I, you know, out of pocket, I think I probably spent three or four thousand bucks out of pocket across, you know, like I said, like fourteen days in the hospital, a bunch of surgeries and all that stuff, and I feel okay about that. Yeah. But fifteen thousand dollars gets eaten up pretty quickly, and mm. I've probably I'm a consultant as well, and I've probably lost like two months of billing, so I've lost a lot of money, and my life. I mentioned earlier that it's surprising how much a low speed crash can really mess up your life. Mm-hmm. It's been 
painful and frustrating and slow, and it's probably going to take like another year or so to get back yeah. to something like normal. Yep. So you know, now we have uninsured and underinsured motorist uh, coverage. Yeah. Uh, you know, for what that's worth. So, like, what, I don't know, this might be a little too personal, but what did Angelica think about all this? Um, I mean, was she kind of, yeah, I mean, I, was she pissed at you and all this, the whole, you know? She's not or, pissed at no, me. Or, no, yeah. um, that's the, a very, the situation. It's, it's a complex scenario, yeah. right? Like, she knows, you know, bikes are in my DNA, right? Right. This is actually a really good discussion to have. Yeah. Um, the um, <laughs> that's the dog. We gotta let Bosley in. Yeah, someone's trying to break the into the, the recording Thanks, studio. A lot of times, you know, you get this. <laughs> Bosley. In particular, with dudes, <laughs> men tend to have this kind of macho, like, "Yo, I'm a rider, man. I'm gonna yeah. ride forever." You know, blah right. blah 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 blah. Right. And um, you know, when you're in a, a relationship of some sort, you can't just like do your own thing and like fuck everyone else, right? For sure. So, and Helica and I have been married for some time, and. I can't just say, like, I'm a motorcyclist, man. That's the way it's going to be, you know? And um, Fuck yeah, you can, man. Do some balls, man. So, you know, we talk about it a lot, and she would probably prefer that I don't ride again, um, especially given that, you know, everything is cool until it's not, right? Like, right. you're riding around on a scooter, everything's cool. You're doing, like, in my case, and then it's not. You know, I'm a fairly accomplished rider, and, you know, I do, I wear a high-vis shit, I wear a brightly colored helmet, I do maybe not everything I could to stay safe, but... <laughs> I'm but a lot. definitely in the upper end of like, you know, For work, sure. riding, uh, you know, according to my skills, preparing myself, blah, blah, blah. And in this case, I didn't have gear on. And so that was a that was a mistake, I suppose. But the thing is, there's a, a huge portion of riders, a huge percentage of riders that ride that way. Yeah. And everything's cool until it's not, you know. So, um, so when I wrecked, I actually was wearing gear. Um, it was cold. So what? the only thing that didn't make it through the wreck was my jeans. Otherwise, I'm wearing the same boots that I wrecked in. I have the same jacket and the yeah. same helmet. They, they didn't cut it off of me because I was able to take it off. But, um, <laughs> well, I'm not going to give you shit for not wearing gear because both Emma and I have had this conversation, uh, conversation especially after her last, her last wreck. Um, we're, we are well aware of the risks and make yep. educated decisions yeah. for ourselves. Of, of the risk for ourselves. But you know, Serge, I wanted to talk to you, you know, ab- ab- about the expectations of all the gear all the time and using the... Um, the fact you've said that in the other parts of the world, you know, you see people who are wearing considerably less gear than us. I've seen a picture us. of someone wearing a pot on their head for a helmet. Right. In, like, Chile. Oh, I have been <laughs> to the pub wearing a saucepan on my head. <laughs> As a joke, Because there, right? was no, right. there was no helmet available, and going to the pub was extremely important to me. And so... Um, <laughs> saucepan. So uh, a saucepan taped onto my head actually is sufficient well, to build, but... There's where you go to get sauced, right? Right. <laughs> on a more serious note, I mean, anybody here will tell you that I am older than dirt, and having ridden in the 70s, I'm old enough to remember... You know, I lost a lot of friends back then, and we, the guys who survived the wrecks often were in a bad state. Now, you're talking lost limbs, you're talking just destroyed elbows, shoulders, knees. So what's the difference now? Because I'm still hanging out with basically a young group of people, but we're not getting smashed up as much. 
are we crashing less? I don't think so. No. But the gear is so much better now. Yes. And there's no better example here than Henry, <laughs> yeah. who Where had a little little bit of a crashing streak. But you are, you're basically unscathed. Mm-hmm. Well, aside from and breaking my leg yeah. last year. Yeah, but, but in your second <laughs> crash, didn't your leg get sucked between the tailpipe and the wheel yeah, the for, second, like, 150 feet? The second crash, I and tried... And out fine. Yeah, I tried to eject from my bike, but my left leg got caught between the exhaust and the rear wheel. Ooh. So the bike ended up dragging me about 150 feet until finally finally came right. to a stop but the boots i was wearing they were like cd adventures they're just super stiff like i like yeah my leg was like nothing was broken right on me and i re- once i realized the bike was dragging me i just relaxed my whole body and i was i wear a full motorport motorport suit so i had no injuries to me but um i tell that story to every single class I that's have. a good right. story to tell but <laughs> what happened to me serge um is i was test riding a vintage trident um, this what two months ago now? Sure. Yeah, about two months ago, and it we had a mechanical failure on the bike. Let's just say it was a mechanical <laughs> failure. Don't look at me. Yeah, I well, see you looking at me. Yeah, well, you were there to pick <laughs> up the, the mechanical failure that brought you to a sudden stop. It brought me. Well, it brought the front wheel to a sudden <laughs> stop. The rest of the bike wanted going. to carry on, <laughs> but in in relative terms, it was Pause. a low. I don't even know whether it was low speed. How far did that bike slide? Fifty-one feet. Sixty, like sixty-four, I think feet but nevertheless i mean i've pretty much destroyed my shoulder um Um, and two months in i'm as in as much pain today Mm. with my shoulder as the day after the crash and the problem is so i've got some pretty hard decisions to make right now tendons man they're such a pain and if i get surgery i can't work for like three to five months is it going to get better in mine in mine if i have surgery might not get better so three to five months of no motorcycles whatsoever with a potential of healing and that's my that's like you Serge that's my living so you know and I wasn't wearing protective gear so to me from this point forward it's going to be all the gear all the time because number one because I want to protect myself but number two it's available now well and here's and here's where we come back to the grand old debate that we're not going to i'm going to diverge yeah, but, yeah please but, because yes. we've I'm talked gl- about I'm glad, this extensively. i'm glad that serge you, at least you were wearing a helmet in that case because you said that, that and good gloves that made a difference right. and good gloves yes and you know it, it brings up the debate do we need to be told to wear uh you know gear and helmets but we can also take that to another place because there's another law coming through. Oh, yeah. Oh, and muffler. this is where oh, Z smog. hates it when Not we're told smog. anything. Um, let's talk about AB1824. Can you explain what that is, Surge y- yes. or Fish? It seems to be the cause of a lot of gnashing of teeth and crybaby whining from motorcyclists <laughs> and <laughs> car but, people. But tell us how you really <laughs> feel. <laughs> so AB 1824 is essentially a budget bill. Um, it was passed uh, last June or July and signed by the governor around that time. Um, and it changes... Um, among other things, uh, it also changes funding for a variety of other totally not related, you know, non-motor vehicle related things. Um, it also changes uh, exhaust tickets from being a fix-it ticket to a mandatory fine. Mm-hmm. I thought that was already through. It, yeah, it passed last year. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's just taking effect as of January as 1st. As of January 1st, yeah. Right. As these things happen, right? Yeah. So, uh, 
you know motorcyclists uh, I could go off on this forever motorcyclists <laughs> love to cry about stuff and not do a goddamn thing about it so yeah. if anybody had yeah. been paying attention um, you know these people that are like starting petitions and taking donations that somehow change this <laughs> if they had been paying attention and actually cared about this stuff enough to do anything. It wouldn't have passed in the first place? No, it probably would have passed in the first place because motorcyclists are a pretty small minority and it's it's actually not a... I don't see it as a particularly... Uh, it's not like it's not a or uh, I'm, I'm searching for the word I want here. It's not like it's not a not a major thing. Well, yeah, exactly. The, you know, we're not AARP here with our population. Well, it's not mm-hmm. just that the bill itself actually makes sense because if you look beyond the scope of motorcyclists, you have a giant group of enthusiasts, be it car, truck, yeah, doesn't matter. You've got people who modify their cars to the point that they become assholes. I mean, I say that. <laughs> Please and do. Anytime, yeah. anytime you, beyond the spectrum of like yeah. making other people's lives miserable with your vehicle, there's going to be a reaction. So there's a couple of parameters here, right? You can, uh, the ways you can get an exhaust ticket are largely in two groups. One is um, a law passed, I think 2010, that required vehicle, motorcycles after 2013, mm-hmm. January 1st, 2013, uh, for replacement mufflers to be basically, uh, we'll, we'll call it carb compliant. There's actually a, <laughs> a, a more like a four word term for this, you know, mm-hmm. a, a approved replacement or whatever. But what it means is that really shitty and quiet. That's the four. That's the four word. I don't think that <laughs> actually. I don't think that's true. Yeah, that's um, not true at all. No. Yeah, Yoshimura for Yoshimura is a really good example of this. Yoshimura saw the writing on the wall or the fucking law that was passed. <laughs> And as an intelligent company, started making pipes that sound good. They weigh less, blah, blah, blah. They make meet all the performance requirements that all these hardcore riders want. And they're still carb compliant. I thought everybody just pulled out. I didn't know you could still get decent aftermarket. No, there's ton, There's a bunch of companies making oh, aftermarket awesome. pipes that are carb compliant. What, it's not, not like it's impossible. <laughs> this is like so much that we accept from motorcycle companies. Like, oh, my God, the bike's fueling is wrong. I must put in a controller and all this shit. You know, so... Hold, hold on a second. What's the time on that one? Bosley's all, fuck all y'all. Bosley, <laughs> so he Bosley's got out of been, his collar. Bosley's been rooting around the, the floor and he found... I think he found some cat vomit, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> found like a paper towel or some shit. A paper shins. towel like, yeah. and he's like going to town like it's contraband. Oh all right. <laughs> Back on track, G. Sorry. I feel like a greased up pig. In this oh, and, and, I wanted to point, and I wanted to point out that um, and we did have somebody write in. So this is for Mike LaScala that, uh, you know, asking and, and he says you know what's with all the moaning and groaning going around uh, about the law that makes exhaust mods a one a one thousand dollar uncorrectable fine that's also not true right. so i've written an extensively sourced and uh column on this uh, over on citybike.com that you can go read for all the details but the reality is what it does is it creates or it converts a fix it ticket to a, a mandatory fine most of the fines if you look at the the judicial committee schedule for california are something like 150 to 250 mm-hmm. the only mandatory fine for that's a thousand dollars is if you have a whistle tip and if you have a whistle tip on your motorcycle please come to city city bike world headquarters <laughs> so i can punch you in the fucking face <laughs> and cut off that muffler and then i will set your bike on fire because fuck you <laughs> so so tell me how you really feel so basically people are no missing one, people are misinformed and they're complaining about something that's not actually as big of a deal as it is. Yeah. And, and two, at least for me, I didn't realize that there actually were so many legal options. Yeah. So, you know, again, the bill that actually changed what was allowable on exhaust, 
you know, took effect January 1st, 2013. Forever ago. You know, and people were upset about that a little bit, but, you know, what has happened is that a lot of shops just kept putting on, you know, uh, unapproved pipes, and then CARB started finding shops that were doing that, and then shops stopped doing it because it cost them pretty substantial amounts of money, and yep. I think it was, you said it was uh, Vance and Hines that got fined yeah. for it um, as well um, at the at the you know the company level the manufacturer level so there were some things that happened you know and as a result the is laws is there became other a states more that are concerned oh. with this though i don't know didn't harley get nailed for for uh for selling bikes with mm-hmm. like selling the them off the, yeah, the, yeah, the controllers and the, such. yeah harley yeah. was was installing race they were selling for race use only and installing on street ridden motorcycles yeah. fueling controllers to correct the fueling that was fouled by people putting aftermarket pipes on the bike. Yeah. On uh, bikes that were just brand new, that were just going out the door. Because uh, people will buy something, then buy all the accessories and have them install it as they take it home. Yeah. And they roll that into the financing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, BMW Harley does that. Harley does race that. modifications? Ducati does that. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> so if you go, so one, one reader brought up this whole, like, well, what if I buy a brand new Ducati Monster 1200 and I want to take a few pounds off it and make it better? And, like, Ducati sells two pipes for the bike at the dealer. Neither one of them are, are street legal in California. And they're not carb compliant and previously oh, um, a shop would have put those on. Search they are now. Um, I the, looked the, at the website yesterday for the Monster 1200. The, that's just the Monster. Um, yeah. Okay. But the, yeah. Um, the Termis they do... Um, they do most aftermarket parts for Ducatis are actually made by Termi. Yeah, and the Termis they they do carb compliant ones now. Definitely. So you can you can buy your brand new Ducati. You can say I want to kit it out with this this and this, and it is carb compliant even though it's not maybe coming up on the website. Hmm. Um, I want to make that clear because you know a lot of our customer base with new Ducatis want the termies on out of the door yeah. and actually some ducatis come with them totally. stock yeah like carb approved termies yeah absolutely yeah. you know so, some of the upper end ones you know the s models actually have the termies on them and they're, they're carb approved and do they sound like a ducati with termies still yeah oh yeah so you're not actually being penalized for the, being i mean the most amazing what's the price difference though on these oh you pay a lot as soon as you open the ducati brochure everything's like 1500 bucks everything well, i'm just talking I've like a, 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 exhaust, a regular exhaust compared to one that's you know approved what's the price difference on average <laughs> Absolutely minimal. Yeah, yeah there's, theoretically, there's any, it shouldn't be any. The thing is, you can't buy you. It, so, if I go to buy a Monster 1200 right now, there are two Termi setups. One of them is labeled as race only or whatever, and they don't have a carbon compliant one from the from the dealer. Uh, if I go buy a Z900 RS. You can go buy then a Yoshimura. I think it's an R34 pipe. Mm-hmm. That's, That's like one. a $500 slip-on or something. It's a, a normally priced slip-on, you know. Mm. Um, and the funny thing is, the Z900 RS is a really good example of this because I think over probably the last three years or so, we've been seeing. I, I've been observing bikes are sounding better from the factory, and I think this yep. is yeah, a conscious definitely. move by the factories. The, the Z900 RS is a really good example. Kawasaki consciously engineered the sound of that bike. To make it sound good, it it's sounds bitchin'. Even Honda's right. that's a bitchin' motorcycle. That is a like really bitchin' motorcycle, yeah, and it that's sounds great stock. So every yeah. every time I pull in a, one of the brand new Triumph T one twenties or the T hundreds and fire that thing up, I think, how the hell did they get thing th- this thing through noise compliance? Because mm. they sound meaty. 
It's so, a really meaty sounding bike, and the Thruxton, especially yeah. the Thruxton R, it is a damn meaty sounding bike. And it's like, how the hell did they do that? The but Thruxton they did. Thruxton R sound amazing. Yeah, uh, so I mean, that's that's so, illustrative. Illust- uh, it's an illustration words. of the the notion that we have to have like a wide open aftermarket pipe right. for a motorcycle to sound good is just see I'm not really idiotic well you know I, I don't like legislation to fix problems like it's just putting a bunch of rules and giving everyone a chance to get another ticket but you know you don't you complain about exhaust what about people who go around with their radios their right. their motorcycle radios up they're, so loud you can hear always, that's, that's never all, been a findable yeah. thing that is always a, but it's still just as annoying not a, not a findable no there, there's that's already laws about that there's already a law yeah really already, in yes. the state and yes. not every it's, state has it I gotta be, yeah don't, don't be a massive steaming ass wait wait one at a time one at a time guys sorry I got let fish talk I can tell he's got something to say as as someone who in his previous life was a mini truck and car stereo enthusiast I have had sound violation tickets in Washington Oregon Idaho and Nevada. Nevada? On a motorcycle? Yeah. No, in a car. Oh. Um, 97 dB at 50 feet from my stereo. Wow. <laughs> I, Blasting. I saw not just a stereo, Horrible. but I had a. I was walking and I had a dude on a Harley ride past and he had like a, a 6 by 10 inch screen in front of him, like built into the bike, <laughs> yeah. showing a borderline pornographic music video. And I'm pretty sure he was watching it more than the road. Jesus. Oh, so, <laughs> well... The, the complaint about legislation, I I appreciate that, and I am not someone who believes in more laws. The flip side is, you get people who simply go around without any respect for other people, yeah. and they do terrible things, and then there has to be a way to stop them. You you can't trust people not to be shitty. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's the problem. But for every every law you put into place to correct the shitty behaviors, it's technically punishing everyone for everything. No, that's not true. Can, can I mean, I, my uh, bike is loud as hell as the thumper, though, and it's a 91. I want to point something yeah. out, though, and and so many of the modern bikes now, they're, they're designed, they're engineered for the stock exhaust. Right. And a lot of bikes now, like my Versus, um, I haven't been... I haven't sought out an aftermarket <laughs> exhaust because everything I've read said you'll make it worse. Oh, yeah. yeah and so... I mean, there really isn't, for many bikes, there isn't a need for it. Well, so if you're buying a used bike, how the hell are you supposed to know what 97 decibels are? Like, well, if it's a bike, it wouldn't apply. So, I, I mean, mean, well, older bike. Well, what, what if it's a used 2015? You don't, you can't test it yourselves. Do, do you have a decibel meter in your pocket? Because I don't. Your you phone can use a phone app to test decibels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, well, I is think that it also kind of it's accurate it's enough. For sure. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I don't think you need a meter. It's kind of like it falls under the "don't be a dick" yeah. rule. Right. When you like, like I go to work every morning. I start up my motorcycle. If you had a really loud motorcycle or whatever. It pisses everybody. So I think there's a meter we all have where yeah. it goes yeah. past the point where right. we're like just being a dick. Yeah. And unfortunately, like Fish says, those people are out oh, there. I love, the, I love the fuel injected so. guys that have to rev their bikes at the light. It, it's like, oh, is your carburetor not warmed up yet? Oh, you got to keep your fuel injection. Come on. If you think your bike is too loud, probably it's going to be. But an interesting point I wanted to say with brand new bikes, which a lot of people don't realize, is what you're hearing when you're riding the bike, it's not what other people are hearing. There's more sound uh, behind you, right? Well, you certainly, I'm thinking in Jixas and R, R6s in particular, have very, very cleverly engineered intakes. I was just going to say and, that. And um, Z900s are the same way. What yep. you're actually hearing on a Jixer is intake noise, yep. and it sounds amazing. They, they sound absolutely amazing. But 
what people hear when you actually ride past is a very, very quiet motorcycle. Now, the offshoot of that is, is if you put a loud exhaust on it, you're not actually going to hear that much over the roar of the intake. Yeah. Other people will. The bike has now become a lot louder to other people. But when you actually ride it, you're still the majority of what you're hearing is going to be that intake roar. R6s are the same way. The Z900s are the same way. I mean, they sound good with aftermarket pipes, but they sound better to pedestrians with aftermarket pipes than they do to the rider. It doesn't sound that much different because you're hearing so much of the intake roar or if you're and that's deliberate that's they built that noise in yes so <laughs> i raised my hand very politely um <laughs> so i uh, this is all for like 2013 and newer but for those of us who don't plan to have a new bike until we're like 50 um what about older bikes can you just basically mod them like put whatever bike you want that Whatever, uh, not bike, but right. whatever exhaust on you want. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, this is only for 2013 and up, right? No, so that's why I said there are two categories. One is that on a 2013 and later bike, the pipe needs the the muffler needs to have you know the we'll call it the stamp of approval. Yeah. Uh, but all bikes and motor vehicles are held to noise standards, no matter what year it is. So right. if your bike is loud, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's old or new. I think, I think it comes down to, like, I've been across 43 states, when I, and I did a lot of them in my Victory Cross Country. I used to be that asshole with the radio. Um, it comes down to most places just don't enforce the law most of the time. But, Especially if you're not going around, like, private neighborhoods and disturbing people. If you're out on a two-lane, no one can hear you. So, but... but um, regarding the exhaust thing if it's 2012 or older you it doesn't need to be like carb certified if, it just needs to be noise reasonable if it's 2012 or older there is no specification that they can enforce mm. so then they can go oh. through, through the sound level versus 2013 and newer what you have is like if you don't have a pipe that's approved here's your ticket oh if you 2012 and older like you say okay it goes to sound levels and it's unfortunate that despite it having an SAE spec the sound level is ultimately at the discretion of the officer yeah, yeah. so your attitude plays into it yeah and that's kind of life well I, my bike sounds like a sewing machine so i could make it three times louder and it'd still be fine Perfect. <laughs> that was my and you know, <laughs> some machines are a lot more susceptible than others generally twin cylinder bikes what because of just the pulses if you have a large twin cylinder bike they can get loud very, very quickly, even more so than a multi. Well, I wanted to thank thank you guys for giving us an update because that is a big kind of to do now. What's going on with uh, AB eighteen twenty four? And who best than to get the right. city bike guys here? Because you guys know it's the straight dog. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, this, all the uh, all the uh, performance car guys I know are losing their shit over it. Yeah, apparently. The, so. Honestly, the I can't car media started all this bullshit. Yeah. There yeah. were a bunch of car websites that put out this thousand dollar thing which is not factual it only applies yeah. to a very very small number of things it's just irresponsible yeah that, that they did this so i wanted to take a second to give some shit away all right free shit if you guys are cool with that because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, everyone loves free shit it's time for our patreon prize pack giveaway Woo-hoo. so knock before we dig into that bag yeah. can you uh give us a tell us what's in the box well then 
It's their human Nobody, head. Nobody's going to do it. No. <laughs> I see a foot. Uh, you know, that is, that's that thing I bought on the website. Right. The brake light thing from China. This is the same. Uh, oh, my the God. The fake brake light uh, thing break, that. Fake brake free tech. Is it for like good bong or whatever? This is from Bang Good. It's Zhang Tech. There's like no English in that box. Anyways, it is a high vis kind of a. Device that has like an LED and you stick to the back of your helmet and it, uh, you know. Personally, I wouldn't LED put that, that on a helmet because it. it would infect your helmet with its shitness. No, <laughs> no, it actually, no, it actually works. It it's is high vis, cool. not high tech. It is, is pretty that a cool. VHS. So, uh, what else is that a VHS? We got some, we got some stickers. We got a. Uh, has an Inca oh, yeah, this is cool. The Sundowner. It's, um, it's oh, a. Oh, yeah, those are great. Shaded tint that goes on the top portion of your visor. Yep. Oh, smart. Sticks so, there. Yeah. a fancy yeah. electrical thing. Stickers. You got a t shirt. Oh, a tire gauge. Yes. Ooh, tire gauge. Dr. Tire gauge. Okay, pop quiz knock. How mm. often would sh- should we check hey. our tires? Liza, Every week. Way more often than me. Every time you fill up is smart. That Some fog tech no, wipes. No, fog tech wipes for your uh, for your advisor there. Is that really a VHS sitting there? Oh, oh my gosh! Look at this. Twenty five dollars uh, off Twisted Road. Was a home video. Yeah. yeah. Noise. Hey, what size is that shirt? There's another good thing in there. I don't know. It's a shirt. Can you? It's a, it's a zero shirt. Though. On, really oh, nice. Okay. On Twisted uh-huh. Road, can you actually rent Ooh, the bike for twenty five bucks? That would be cool. Rock straps are worth it. Rock straps. The baby rock straps. Nice. All right. Those are the shit. Law what's Tiger's on that? Hat. What, what's Absolutely. on that hat? Knock. What is on that hat? Oh. It says it's a uh, Law Tiger's we hat. We got some stuff from Law Tiger. Law Tiger's oh. from, from Layout Escapes, from Zero. A lot yeah. of our we previous guests have all given us stuff to give here. away. Neckerchief. Yes. And the Piazza de Resistance. Also, uh, oh. city, city bike sticker is cool yeah, too. City yeah, city bike sticker. We will be <laughs> including oh, plenty also. of city yes. bike and MSRB stickers. That's what I want to know about is the VHS. Is it a home movie or something? Hey, man, you fucking ruined it. Come on. <laughs> P.S. The Resistance is a VHS tape from nine, for a 1975 Moto Guzzi? No, no, it looks like an MV. Oh, Guzzi. Guzzi. Reverse Bukaki? Is that a little Oh, hair? don't even. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Wait, fish fish might want that. So this is just a VHS tape. What's on there? I don't know. It's an MV. It's a video on the 1975 MV Augusta, and it's called Riding High. Wow. Uh Unless fish, you want to claim that for you. Oh, fail. Party foul. Yeah. Um, don't I'm worry, actually quite tempted. I'm not going to lie. Can I like go just watch it now or make a copy? I've got my, my duplicator in the truck. Hey. <laughs> Are you serious? You actually? <laughs> You'll never know. I'm going to say, Fish, why don't you take that as a, a, a prize for coming on the show tonight? Huh? Yeah, let's know how the porn is. Uh, and also because you're the only one I know who still has a VHS. <laughs> I, mean, I have, have one in my basement. VCR. Well, there you go. I, I've got one, too. <laughs> nice. I need to give you a consolation for hanging out with us. <laughs> so you're not getting the VHS tape, suckers. So, um, for those who don't know, this is for our Patreon subscribers. Who are um, great. Yeah, and their They're names the are in the back. Emma, I need you to pull a name out. I'm going to pull um, a name out. While, I do, while you do that, I'm going to give an update. Also, for all of our subscribers at $5 or more, this and this is already locked in, um, I ordered the t-shirts that Knock designed. They came out pretty cool. I like it. Nice. And they are ordered. We're going to be shipping those out next month. And the black. And they're That's black. Me. I said I never would, and yet I did. Everyone right, okay. shirts. Do you have a name? I do indeed have a okay. name. Okay, who's going to win all this lovely swag? Oh, <gasps> Who is it? Chance Ford. <gasps> Chance hey. Ford! Oh, congratulations. Right. Chance cool. Ford, well, and you. we have an email, so um, Chance, or it could be Ford. Um, 
It's you chance. Got, it is chance. Yes. We've uh, got some crap coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> and if you really want the tape, Fish does have a uh, machine he can I make can, a I can make you a dupe. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> a micro calls crap, collectibles rare and precious. And this is where we would always play our City Bike Minute. But since you're here, Serge... Why don't you give us a City Bike Minute? What has uh, what have you guys been talking about at City Bike? I forgot all the things I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we, we can go back to because we know that you, no, stopped, I, I, you stopped doing print. Yes. And you went to digital. Yeah. And then you've been... I enjoy been, that very you've much. You've been at Maybell Manor, convalescing. Yeah, exactly. How are things going? Pretty good. You know, uh, being hurt uh, and pretty much high on painkillers for a while <laughs> Ooh, um, yeah. really slowed down my output. Like I said, I wasn't really working very much for a couple months, and, mm. and that hurt City Bike as well because um, City Bike comes behind, you know, paying the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... So selfish. Disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> World headquarters ain't cheap, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we really slowed down our kind of pace of publishing for a little while um, while I was convalescing. Um but we've got some really cool stuff that's happened over the last month or so. Uh, Fish has three entries in his uh, project Snowmo Chop, which is yes. something we probably want to talk about separately. I'm intrigued. Mm. We do, because for those of us who are at the Dirtbag Challenge, right. I don't know if you guys remember the bike with the snowmobile motor. Yeah, that's nice. the guy. Uh, right okay. there. Yeah. That's the guy. I want to ride that. Nice. Motor is that? So the, I want to ride that. The so last installment means. of that will go up this week. Yeah, you know the full story, um, the conclusion of, of Project Snowmo Chop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I talked about ABA 1824 already. Um, another thing that we had. Uh, we tend to do a little more of, I don't know what I would call it, sort of long-form journalism or yes. you know, thinking and analysis as opposed to like you know other motorcycle uh, publications that just barf out whatever bullshit. Sensationalism. You know. Yeah, or like just utter lack of substance. So anyway, one of the things we took a, a much, much deeper look at um, in the last few weeks was the MIC, and I think late November, put out this study. Uh, now, uh, sur- survey results. And I, um, I got a beef to pick with you on oh, this. Oh, good. One. Yeah. Uh, I think there were some, some comments that were um, not so veiled <laughs> about people who just blindly shared and just <laughs> sent that on into the into the the groups and of course we are one we are one of them pretty much and everybody yeah, did I've everyone did it yeah. it it spread like wildfire yeah. and you called us all out on it for, yeah, I think, for not fact checking I think I said I think I called everybody assholes or something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's even better probably I mean, that's, that's even better that's one of my most favorite axes to grind is just the general kind of stupidity of the human race yeah um, but yeah. what I was really meaning that towards was uh, you know like I mentioned the car uh, media outlets pushing this thousand dollar thing you know it's one thing for informal groups and stuff like that but real media pushing stuff without asking questions. You know, real media is kind of a loose definition that can change depending on what you're looking at. It's not like you guys aren't real media. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, various Bonier, uh, or uh, what are, uh, Boner Corp um, yeah. outlets just running this stuff without even considering, you know, whether it's factual or not is Media outlets to whom you ha- you hold a higher standard. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, that you know, that I, I'm always frustrated with that. Um, and, and quite frankly, part of that is personal because we bust ass, you know, doing yeah. what I think is really good shit on City Bike. And at the same time, we watch these huge publications churning out garbage, you know, to huge audiences. Yeah. So, what, was, what was the information that was? Yes. For those who don't remember, yeah. and this was a big thing. It came out and everyone did share it, myself included. The MIC yeah. reported that they did a poll and that... 
uh, it is now 19% of writers are women. Yeah. And I did question it along the way because when you read the fine print, um, I think it said something like, it was only like 500 people polled or uh, something. It was 2,400, I think, total. So it was 20, or maybe it was 2,400. Um, yeah. Not oh, a large right. percentage. No, 2,400 of which then 500 would have been women responding. Something like that, And yeah. I thought, 2,500, you could go to any motorcycle event or show and get more than that in one weekend, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily going to represent the entire community. Yeah, you know, their polling methodology... It's flawed and it isn't. I mean, they they do this survey and they try to you know hit the entire country, um, you know, and they try and I I do believe they try and hold it to sort of statistical statistical significance. Um, the problem is. You know, if you were looking at sort of overall trends, that's a big enough number to do that. But then they're making statements that, like, for example, we've seen the number or the percentage of women writers increasing, um, this and this and this. And when you start breaking down, you know, different regions and stuff like this, then that number is not enough to support a statistical um, significance for that. And this um, was taken online, right? So it wasn't necessarily regional. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, and rather, I don't mean to say that it was regional. They try and hit the whole U.S. and they try to correct mm-hmm. for yeah. you know biases and stuff like that um, in terms of you know where the samples are taken. Um, we heard from some folks who had actually taken the survey, and I've actually taken it myself in the past as well. Um, and it's mostly about like what kinds of accessories are you buying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, the MIC is an organization for companies that build motorcycles and make accessories and stuff. That's what they care about. Mm-hmm. So that's not surprising, and you can't really blame them for that. As much as I love to kind of you know hate on those guys um you know i understand everything they're doing and it it makes sense for that kind of organization in a lot of ways but the problem is when you start looking at the numbers from you know legitimate sources like not just self-reported survey data but actual registration and actual um, licensing it doesn't look like these trends are there and so what we did we started with uh california we got registration data um, to look at overall motorcycle trends, but this, the California DMV doesn't track registrations to gender, so we couldn't look at it that way. And that's what mm-hmm. roughly the MIC was looking at. They were looking at um, self uh, self reported ownership, which is equivalent to registrations, basically. Um, so we looked at licensing, and in California, um, where you know it's a mature market, we ride a lot of the year, m- all year in a lot of cases. Um, you know, you could argue, and you get into some kind of assumptions here, but you could argue that you know. Among states where there are a lot of riders, a lot of registered motorcycles, a lot of licensed riders, California, perhaps Florida, um, New York, Ohio, and there's a few more that have a substantial number of of riders and motorcycles. Um, And those ought to be... You know, either ahead of the curve or pretty substantially reflecting this this trend that the MIC is claiming, which I believe they're claiming because they need to sort of prove their value to their constituent right. companies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they were like, "Woohoo! Women ridership is up. We've been working so hard on this." Right. Quite frankly, my my opinion on this, having watched what the MIC has done, is that if there's growth in women ridership, it's in spite of their activities because <laughs> most of their activities are kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some good stuff going on in the community, largely by driven by people in the community, not by the MIC who unimpressive to say the least. Um, so in California, you know, basically the the percentage of women uh, licensed riders has been static for several years. It's not like yeah. there's there's not evidence of a trend. So and search, what that? was that number you gave me earlier? It's right around just under twenty percent, yeah. wasn't it? Give or 19? take nineteen in California. Yeah, yeah. I would say my little my little worldwide group of 
MMV. We we hold nineteen point five percent women yeah. in the group. But yeah. my I'm worldwide, so like it's I can't you can't use that for anything. I'll yeah. be interested if we get into some international figures like from England and Australia. Probably um, different. I don't know. More I'm, commuters. I'm thinking, you know, that twenty percent is it's 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 a figure. I would say as far as people who are actually taking the class, uh, like people mm-hmm. that I see come through yeah. the class, it's it's more than ten percent women. I would say it's less than twenty. In the maybe? past in the past year and a half I've right. had five majority female classes and a couple that were fifty fifty. You see, you're as good and a barometer so as anybody nice. else because yeah. That's where where do you start? You yeah. start with a training course. Right. I'll so say well, some, yeah. there, there's some real figures it's right there. The, the the majority female classes are amazing because when you tell a dude, and he can be the nicest dude in the world, but when you tell a dude when you give him like a recommendation, nine out of ten guys like their their subconscious brain throws it out the window immediately. So you have to right. tell them Ego. ten times. Whereas girls like it, it, you you tell them to do something and it's something like counter steering. You're like, trust me, you're gonna push on this grip and the bike's gonna lean mm. that way i know it doesn't make sense and then they go and fucking do it right oh my god whereas the guy's like no that's not gonna work <laughs> i know better than you i've been riding for 20 years so i'm just curious no, even the ones who've never ridden and bagel would you say that these numbers ring true in scooter communities as well I'd say it's probably even less than that in the scooter community. Really, um, I think so. Maybe, maybe it's you know it, it might be it might be close to that in in uh, in the modern scooter scene, but uh, <clears throat> the vintage scooter scene, I, I think there there are probably fewer women than. Aha! Uh-huh. That. That's you know because women aren't weird fetishists. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if a woman well, scooter, yes, yes, they are. Hold up! Hold up! If you wanted to compare apples with apples. You would have to say, okay, we're going to compare women in the vintage scooter scene with women in the vintage motorcycle scene hmm. who are practically non-existent. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I mean, true. Yeah. whenever I show a bike, I mean, you know, guys just fall over themselves because I'm such an anomaly yeah. in the vintage bike world. True, true. And but, I, so, so, but that's the vintage world. Yeah, but there are, also, there, are uh, there have actually been a number of all-women uh, scooter clubs, including the uh, San Francisco Scooter Girls. Uh, oh, those, called, yeah. Called those girls, yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're badass. From what I get is whatever number they put out, nineteen percent, twenty percent, or within that bracket, it's just a number that affects um, you. You 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 have a personal bias t- towards it because it you know this number is may or may not be reflective of what you, you see, right? I mean, it's I guess it's different for everybody, but. Oh, we saw That's a lot what of, it yeah. seems like. Saw a lot of dudes who were like, I never see women at Alice's. Right. You know, right. Like, exactly. Shut up, man. You yeah. Know? You know, I'm actually <laughs> talking to women a lot of times, um, a lot of us don't go to the, these dude things because yeah. some of us get treated really badly. Like, right. even at the mm-hmm. traveler meetings, sometimes they'll just have sexist comments thrown out. Com- and we'd, we'd rather just go out and hang out with our friends or go for a ride than be around people who are going to demean us because they think we're better. Well, yeah, too. And it, like at the garage, uh, we see at least about maybe closer to 25 to 50%, I'd imagine. Well, that's because you know? everyone so, knows this is a female-friendly place. And right. right. Yeah. Not and the garage, and the garage is an anomaly because... Uh, uh, Basically, at the top, it's very female heavy. Yeah. So you know, we it it's not really reflective of what's going on yeah, in that's, the it's industry. Yeah, it's not the norm. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe the norm is the norm because it's hostile to women. 
And if you, you ever get in the off road, that, if you, you know? get into the off road yeah. communities, they are very hostile towards women. I, I'm Seriously? finding out a lot of oh, this yes. through Women Writers World Relay that I'm on. We hear all sorts of stories, but I want to hear, Serge. So, in in all the investigation that you did and kind of fact checking, and did you come up with a number that you think might be more accurate? Yeah. So we've kind of sort of extrapolated from California so far. I'm working on getting complete data sets for Ohio, Florida, New York, and um, Pennsylvania, I think it is, which then gives us about 30% of registered motorcycles in the country. Mm. Um, Ohio. Texas, in, too, mm-hmm. should be. Yeah, yeah. Texas is in there, but it's not in the top five, surprisingly. Wow. Ohio uh-huh. has more than Texas? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Per capita. Um, I, would yes. have, I wouldn't have thought Ohio. that. No, it's, to, it's, it's ultimate numbers, not, not yeah. per really? capita. Ohio yeah. really? Ohio has wow. always Seriously. been very heavy biking state. Yeah. I think Texas might be number six or so. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so we looked at um, education uh, splits. We looked at regist- well, we can't like I said, we can't get registration, um, but we can get uh, licensing by gender. So interestingly, hmm. in um, in uh, register uh, sorry licensing, we're basically at seventeen percent uh, women for the last several years. Which okay. again, the trend that MIC is saying is happening is that we're on our way to twenty five percent. Now. A lot of these are bikes that have just been registered forever and stuff, so that trend's going to take a while to show up in registrations, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But when we looked at training, um, I have the last few years of of motorcycle, of the CMSP training for California, and it's been, you know, 19 to 20% for the last several years as well. There's no no clear trend upward, is what I'm saying here. Um, One of the other flaws with the MIC data is that they included um, ownership of off-road vehicles in there. Um, Mm -hmm. Because MICs represent essentially... Power sales sports. organizations, power sports, exactly. Mm. They only care whether you're going into a dealer and spending money. They don't give a shit about whether it's a motorcycle or not, right? Right. And um, so there's a, a theory that MIC has not <laughs> answered this question. You know, how much of that is, is motorcycles and how much of that is, you know, side-by-sides oh, right. and, and whatnot. Um, so there, I think based on obs- observations of myself and many, many others, there's probably a lot of times off-road as a community tends to include a pretty large um, uh, percentage of families riding together. Mm-hmm. And so you could have you know, a mom and dad who each have a bike and maybe a son and daughter who each have a bike, mm-hmm. and that's 50-50 right there. Mm-hmm. That radically changes the percentages if there's enough of that because it's such a higher percentage of um, male versus female versus typical kind of street numbers that we're seeing. Right. Um, I've got numbers for Florida so far. That one's 17%. Mm. So, you know, if we get through the top five states and we're still seeing these like 15 to 20% numbers, you know, that's pretty clear uh, demonstration that the, no- the numbers are just not real. You know, if we've got 30% of registered motorcycles by, you know, by state we're, yeah. and we're at below 20%, then the, those numbers are useless from the MIC. Um, well, you've spent a lot of time fact-checking and going over this, and yeah. I appreciate that. And I think that just is a good example of why people should go to City Bike and read it. Citybike.org. No, we're not. If, a, we're, I mean, we are a nonprofit a, in that, yeah. but not in an official sense. <laughs> Citybike.com, and <laughs> even though it has traditionally been a Bay, Bay Area uh, magazine, there's a lot of stuff in there that is really quite universal. I saw yeah. Fish, you did a review recently of a suit, was it? My cousin Jeremy, yeah. Your cousin Jeremy? My cousin Jeremy, Arrow Stitches That's Wax a, Cotton. Oh, right, 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 yes. Yeah, wonderful yeah. piece of kit, by the way. Yeah. So um, here's a Motorcycles and Misfits top, top tip. tip. Yes, if you uh, just the tip, just the tip. <laughs> um, so if you read City Bike and listen to Motorcycle and Misfits, that's pretty much all you need. That is all you need. That <laughs> is well, well, motorcycle education. That's uh, it. That's boy. all you ever need. So um, I was going to ask about that blue bottle next to the uh, thing over there, isn't that? That like, is well, my Bombay that Sapphire. Would you like some? Here, how about this one? No, I was just saying, isn't it a gift from from uh, yeah. 
It, it was a gift from a loving fan. And Liza has forgotten their name. Oh. Yes. So write in and no, 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 call no. Liza some rude names. I will remember because <laughs> it's somebody that we know who brought it here to the garage. Would you like some? It's one of our friends. I just don't no, remember. I'm all right. But um, where I was going with this is I also wanted to cover Fish who came in because I did want to talk about the snow mode shop. Because you participate in Dirtbag. Have you done it many years? This is my first year building. Oh. Last year I uh, covered the Dirtbag. And my intent was to simply observe and report. Yeah. Unfortunately, I took my Buell and through one bike breaking <laughs> down, I loaned my Buell to one of the other riders to go. The campout happens in top secret locations, right. which are typically three to five miles up dirt roads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rigid choppers, because that's how, how you <laughs> that's do how it. That's how you do it. So one of the bikes didn't make it up the dirt road. Um, I loaned my Buell out to Justin Martins, actually, mm-hmm. who then rode down the hill only to puncture the tire, oh. and then ride oh. it back up the hill with a flat tire, which then disbeated it. Oh. TKC-80 <laughs> on the back of a oh, shit. few Ulysses. Yeah. Uh, so when that bike came back to the camp with a flat tire, the entire camp got together, and we used my plug kit to plug it, and then we had nothing but a hand pump to reseat the bead. Oh. So there were seven people holding the bead in different positions. One person who had brought shampoo to the dirt bag, which I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> Nonetheless. So that worked? It totally worked. Holy wow. shit. Yes. 14 hands, two people working the bicycle pump in rapid, like they were working in shifts, and then a bunch of shampoo, and that managed to seat the bead. Wow. So at that point, I was now part of the story, and I was ever bonded to my friends who saved me from leaving my Buell in the forest where I would have set it on fire and <laughs> walked home. Um, what kind of Buell is it? I have a Ulysses. 2006 Ulysses. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, cool bike. And being there and being inspired by those guys, I decided I'd build a bike this year and I, I had a snowmobile that a friend of mine had given me. It was a called a Polaris Rocky Mountain King. It's a fan-cooled, oh. air-cooled 550 twin. It's Two a stroke? Yeah, it's an old oh. man's sled. Oh. <laughs> it literally came with a trailer hitch and was used by a, a lodge in Idaho. It was the, the they parked their cars in the lower lot, and this would shuttle visitors to the lodge up to the lodge, which is like three or four miles up the road. Holy cow! So this is a sled with twenty thousand miles on the on the wow. thing. It had been rebuilt a couple times, and I had no idea. It was donated to me by a friend of mine who also built a snowmobile-powered Mazda Miata, which is a whole other story. (laughs) And he was like, do something with this. And my original intent was to build some sort of dual sport, and then uh, my father had donated to me a rigid frame Harley project, which he then took back from me when he found out I wanted to cut up a really nice Paco frame to put a snowmobile engine in. (laughs) You know what this sounds like? A good, bad idea. Oh, yes. I turned to Craigslist, and I bought a... uh, Turns out to be a really rare pre-53 Harley-Davidson rigid frame. Ooh. And I cut the daylights out of it, <laughs> welded the snowmobile engine into it, and oh. went on the dirt bag. Nice. Wow. And so and this, is this a pull start? It still yeah. retains the pull start. It retains oh the, the factory oil injection, so you don't have to premix. Um, nice. I use the snowmobile's lighting coil, so it's 12-volt AC. I have... Uh, I have hookups to run the factory snowmobile heated grips uh, and heated thumb throttle if I wanted. Um, how how do you um, pull start a 500 two-stroke with not, one hand? It yeah, pull starts really, really easily. That's, do, that's easy. Oh yeah, I can yeah. I can start it while sitting while being astride. The it's all in the re- reach down. It's all in the reduction, darling. 
I don't know what that is. It's all in the reduction. Yeah, it's gearing. the gearing for the starter. Oh, okay. I mean, they, oh, they make see. it real easy. Wow. Then, yeah. yeah. Also, it's I, it, this, to be fair, this is also a low-compression old man sled. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. snowmobile form, this thing might top out at 45 miles an hour. It was, it was <laughs> not fast. Form? Uh, or, uh, word on the street is it's substantially faster than that in a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it may or may not have gone 136 at one point. Whoa. Um, oh, in a chop rigid. In a rigid wow. chop yeah. <laughs> Mind you, with a dirt bike front fork, because it turns out Husqvarna dirt bike forks bolt on to Harleys. What? Wow. <laughs> it's because it the throttle stuck, in it? There it is. Uh, I wish the throttle had stuck. And, no, and one thing I've noticed about almost all dirt bag bikes is they put a lot of attention in making it a comfortable seating position. <laughs> um, I, I did because, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly, no, not really. Uh, I, so, how I, was yours? Uh, mine was really comfortable. I, I actually, the seat came off of an Indian Scout I got on Craigslist, one of the new ones. Yeah, oh, okay. it fit real nice. It's a nice, comfy seat. I was warned to not go again, go with a suspension seat because of tender bits that get bounced around and pinch <laughs> points. And I kind of, I took that information to heart. That's a good tip. Yeah, top tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. <laughs> no suspension seats for rigid frame bikes. So uh, I I was unfortunately forced to use forward controls because of where the uh, the CVT for the snowmobile sits. It's a CVT. Yeah. Oh, it uses. I used all the snowmobiles drivetrain. There's no oh transmission. Oh my god! Wow. You twist the throttle, the engine revs up. The seat <laughs> gets blurry. That's the first automatic dirt bike. Dirt bag bike, isn't it? I, I believe so. Actually, that's yeah. amazing. Wow. Have um, you chopped up a scooter yet? Do you, what's the? Is it a chain? Uh, yeah, there's a, a belt between the engine and the, the... So the way the CVT works, there's two pulleys. There's a drive pulley and a driven pulley. And the drive pulley is mounted on the engine. Driven pulley sits on a shaft. And in a snowmobile, it usually goes to a reduction box that then has a dr- gear drive down to the track. Yeah. And I simply... I made a, a sprocket to go on that and mounted that shaft on pillow blocks. <laughs> and then there's a 530 chain that goes from the, the front sprocket to the rear wheel. I uh, need to see a picture after a podcast. I got a question for you. You've uh, heard of the Tolaris, yes? No. Its basic concept was the guy took a snowmobile motor and made it like a, a race bike out of it. Yeah, huh. it's it's whole. It's it's a really cool looking bike. You might take a take a look at it. I, yeah. I, I, I it's funny. Like I didn't think I was super original. Oh, yeah. And I did a Google search of snowmobile motorcycle. Yeah, it's it's totally a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think mine's the only rigid frame because I'm stupid. But <laughs> what was that thing, Liza, in uh, in Mid Ohio? We raced around the barrel track that was a snowmobile. Oh yeah. Thing? Oh yeah. So there's, it's a snowmobile conversion it's so that puts Ohio. wheels onto oh, a snowmobile. Yeah. I saw that I've thing. He's got those, the two actually. wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you put wheels on a snowmobile? Because you can. The you other can race way around, barrels in a field. Putting <laughs> skis on a motorcycle, I and get. And you can. <laughs> but why would you put? For off season, because you can. <laughs> how does it work? How does this, the how does how do the snowmobile? The yeah, do you just put them on the front? Uh, yeah, the tracks they t- they take the fins off the tracks and then they put wheels on the on the where the skis go. Oh my god! It's do I, they lean? Uh, no, they don't lean. They okay, steer. so direct steers. Yeah. Um, actually, if you ever watch drag racing, like there's there's a pretty substantial community of like pavement drag race snowmobiles oh my god (laughs) and they're they're not slow like rubber tracks yeah rubber those tracks are rubber anyways but they make slick tracks that are just and the only thing is the cooling like they're water cooled typically so they have a radiator heat exchanger and they just put a fan on instead of like normally that that relies on snow being thrown on the 
heat exchanger at the back. <laughs> so Nock has passed me his phone, so which has. I think you like. Look this. at this, but there's no suspension. How is that even? There's, there's suspension. It's there's just, not it's, suspension. It's, it's kind of hidden in there. There is no suspension on that. The, the, the subframe is just hanging in midair. So the one thing that's interesting, and the thing I learned, so it looks like they actually used a transmission with a clutch. Mm -hmm. And I was originally going to do that, and I did research on what the snowmobile engines are. Yeah. And they only make power in one spot. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, a generator or stationary engine. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. So, like, this engine has two power points. 5,500 RPM is, is torque peak. Yeah. And 6,700 RPM is horsepower. And that's oh, it. shit. That's it. It's at 6,700 RPM, it's about 60 horsepower. Yeah. Below that, it's, like, 25. Yeah, so it's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, so, so it's a two-stroke. It's a hit. Yeah, it's a two-stroke. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's a, it's a highly tuned two-stroke. Yeah. So trying to wide-tune a snowmobile engine it's, gets right. to be a challenge. Like, you got to change. Mm -hmm. That's why if you ever see, like, two-stroke race bikes, they have uh, power valves and yeah. all that. Yeah, they're that always going, ring, ring, So ring. it's ideal for a CVT that you just yeah. get in that zone and, bleh, you know, this yeah. is what CVTs do. The downside is it gets 20 miles to the gallon. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So I really want to see Horrible. somebody take one of those huge inline-four jet skis engines and put one on a motorcycle so Jeez. how did you do at the event because this is a competition uh it's a competition of sorts i didn't feel like it was a competition uh i, <laughs> I didn't they, win no they gave me the uh best engineering award nice. yeah. all the awards yeah. are are given to you you're voted by everyone that you rode with yeah and mm. i there was no like to go through three days of riding around with people with essentially homemade you know cobbled together bikes and to survive it as a group like you don't really care <laughs> death traps it doesn't really matter right. how well you, you do you just made a little family right there exactly and that's the important part. so and it sounds like you got sucked into it because you're already thinking about next year aren't you well oh, this yeah. year this year yeah i've already got like three different piles of parts that i'm pondering putting so something together. what engineer are you gonna use <laughs> nice. um i one of my terrible good ideas is uh i would like to take a so Paul Brown, the organizer of the dirtbag, oh, yeah. hates Harleys. Yeah. Yeah. And there are no Harleys allowed. So this year I used a Harley frame with a snowmobile, which totally got me in. Um, for 2019, my thought was to use a Sportster, and then I wanted to build the ridic most ridiculous Buell blast engine I could. Uh, because you can, buy a, you can stroke a Sportster out to something like 1,400 cc's. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So, you know... Well, it's you were going to do an 883 single cylinder engine. Yeah, I was going to do gonna, yeah. like 850 cc <laughs> cylinder delete. Well, the the, the blast. Jack, is, yeah. yeah, so I was going to do Jack an 850 cc single yeah. in a Sportster chassis. Oh, wow. There you go. Because <laughs> it's not a Harley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, the other option was to do a VFR based touring bike, so I could make a VFRly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Into that, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't exactly know the other pre the other group that Paul likes to troll and wishes to encourage me is he likes to troll Ducati people, <laughs> and I have a uh, God, what is it? A seven? It's the weird Ducati that has the adjustable um, uh, the adjustable trail you can actually move the neck cups in the frame in oh the, interesting in the hmm. steering oh, i think that's an old 748s yes 748 yeah so i have a 748 that was given to me i was working on one of those about a week ago and i mean it's it, everything wacky bike everything's in pretty good shape but my thought was to cobble together an old ironhead sportster engine and put it in there because nothing would it anger ducati enthusiasts more to put a terrible rattly harley engine in a ducati chassis that would be awesome 
Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Well, I wanted to get to some emails while we have a chance because we've been getting some really cool emails. Have we really? We have. And oh, I have one here. Good show. I have one here from uh, <laughs> Brian in Colorado. Hello, Brian. And uh, he said, Release Brian. In episode 292, <laughs> you guys were talking about Harley bashing. Now I no, know not really? all of We're us. Going back to this. Not all oh, of us. No. Now I know I'm partial to the HD brand, but living in Colorado, you see a lot of LARPing writers. <laughs> What's LARPing? Oh, I'm glad he knows that term yeah, too. Live action role play. Well, I know, but what in this context? Yeah. This yes. is my beef. I don't have a problem with the Harley brand or people who own a Harley. It's the cosplay. I have a problem with the LARPing, the LARPing Harley riders. <laughs> oh, they oh dress up so one riding a Harley and, and doing the, doing the, okay, I got you. Yeah, that are I in it you. for the image. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Not for the passion or the freedom. It's right, right. the image. Yeah. And it, it happens. And that's the <laughs> yeah, thing. Ever since lot. I brought it up, I mean, a lot of these, these heavy duty Harley riders are like, yeah, I get it. I hate those guys too. Yeah. Just like you we found the thing we can all agree on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the scooterists approve of them. So, eh. approve. No. Anyway, the larpers. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> moving along. So he's got a whole bunch of Harleys. He likes to build them up. He's got like a '74 Ironhead Sportster and all, uh, nice. a 07 Electric Glide that he's ridden the wheels off of. Uh, shovelhead basket case. Um, as as much as I love the bikes, I bash Harley worse than you guys every day. Also, mm-hmm. want to thank y'all for doing an episode about the <laughs> Moto Relief Project. I've been thinking about doing the program since I heard about it this past summer from a veteran organization here in Colorado. Oh, cool. But after hearing more about it, I'm going to try and do it this year. Nice. So far, building old Harleys has been my therapy. I know this was long-winded, so I'll <clears throat> end it with a thanks again for all the laughs and hope to make it to the garage one day. P.S. Hand-built some 22-inch twisted handlebars for one of my iron heads from scratch. Don't worry, I'm Those a certified awesome. welder, so I made them safe. Nice. Uh, they're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, so cool pictures. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's some cool pictures. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's cool that people are learning about the Motor Relief Pass Project. They My I ran out of printery. Oh. So Very, it's, it's, oh. You can't tell. Boo. Oh. Very quick so, tangent. thank you. Knock, you have one nope. there. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. This one's from Britt. Anderson. Hello, hello, Brett. Hey, Brett. This one's hey. tall, uh, t- titled One Show PDX and Motorcycle Films. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, hello, Misfits. Cruising fucking hard up here in Portland. Tell Nakiba get her, get his ass off and buy his tickets for the show <laughs> because I got shut out last year. I did get to see Liza in front, in front out on Friday night but did not make it to the show. Uh, got tickets to the races on Saturday. Not sure how you guys will be getting up around here as I do have a bitchin' minivan, and we'll be able to shuttle some folks around Salem. Oh, wow. It's like a big crew coming. Thank you for offering that up. Uh, did we get something? We we are, six of us are confirmed coming up. Yeah. So, so yeah, we got something knocked, but you better be extra nice to her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is Brit a dude or a girl? Who knows? Brit's a dude. Brit's a dude. Okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. Bum, we don't no. have anything uh, no. at a uh, regular... Hmm? Brit's not a guy's name. Yeah, Brit, and Brit has been here to the garage. Oh, okay. Yes. It could be a guy's name. Yeah. <laughs> Bum that you don't have anything in the PDX Film Festival this year. Only went last year to see the sobbing scooters, but hey. now it'll be regular. Hey. Yeah. Uh, finally went to introduce you to my brother, who is going to be doing some long rides this summer. This is cool. Which should, uh, take it easy. See you, Isaac. Bye, dude. Take care. Uh, long rides this summer, which should bring him to the garage. He's riding to raise awareness for mental health, depression awareness, and how riding the motorcycle and the motorcycle community can help those facing it his yeah. name is ian That's but you cool. can find him on make lemonade tour 
on Facebook. Yeah, Fantastic. I thought that was really cool. Make nice. lemonade Make to our Facebook. To our yeah. And we've talked about writing for mental health and how writing brings out the endorphins and it's, uh, oh, it's, God, it's necessary it's fa- it's for a lot of people. Yeah, I miss being able to ride down and visit you guys at the garage or running into you at the Bay Area events. You try to mm-hmm. get my kid to be a monkey during the Dirtbag <laughs> Challenge a couple of years ago. <laughs> but we love being back home in Oregon. Uh, looking forward to see you at the one show. Tell Emma that she wants to help me clean some carbs from an 81 plastic maggot. Oh, my up God. Here. I'm up for it. <laughs> well, bring, sure him, to... bring him to the one show, darling. We'll do, we'll do him there and then. Yeah, she says, uh, he says I'll be sure to have gin on hand, and he's saying that he's just too many too many up the butt bikes to list. But, uh, yeah, sign okay. Britt. Yeah, bring, bring your carbs to the show, Britt. We'll get them done. Well, that reminds me, Fish, <laughs> we haven't asked you. I'm listening. No, oh, here we go. What is your up the butt bike? Uh, explain the term. Okay. <laughs> it's a bike that you look at and you go, I'd take it up the butt for that. Surges, Buell Ulysses. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> low, low mileage 2009 Ulysses that I can wow. put another 56,000 miles on. I'm good with that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good bike. That. All right, Emma, what do you have there? Okay, I have an email here from Josh. Hi, Josh. Hello, my name is Josh, and I'm deciding on what my first motorcycle should be. I'm 20 years old, and I want something that I will own for the rest of my life. Mm, Okay. I've been looking around and had my heart set on a Triumph T100. Well, that's a very nice bike, darling. I love the modern classic look and the community behind them. Um... Well, you know, there's a lot of going to Starbucks in that community, I think. (laughs) Um, However, I have a lot of mechanical experience from working on cars with my stepdad. So it's been sitting in my head if I would rather buy an older Honda CB750 and do a full rebuild. Hmm. My girlfriend thinks I should buy a T100 because it would be straightforward, but I think I'd have a better experience of how to work on bikes and ultimately be happier with a CB. (laughs) I would love the feedback to see if I'm being ambitious or I should just go for it and do the rebuild. Thank you for all the entertainment and knowledge I gain from every Monday during work. Um... Rebuild. No, just hang on a Come minute. On. Just, just, <laughs> you're gonna get better at motorcycling if you could ride the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, just hang on. Hold on, but you can get better at wrenching if you can rebuild the motorcycle and find the parts for it. That yeah, is, but you're wrenching. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. Just How much do you like taking the parts? Bonding time. Though. Can you find the parts for a 40 year old motorcycle? Yes. Though? Yes. Well, a yes. CB750, yes. you can. Oh yeah. So just stop. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be there's going to be two factors that are going on here. Um, the T hundred is a very very nice bike. It's not a perfect bike. We've been having a lot of wiring harness problems with those bikes. I mean, a ton of wiring harness problems with them, and they ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about is like, we, <laughs> what kind of problems? Like just weak wiring? Or yeah, no, wiring? we've got terrible wiring harnesses. Oh, wow, Wait, a British they vehicle Lucas with bad wiring? Well, what they did was they what they did with that particular bike is. There was a lot of forward thinking with the electrics on it, and what Triumph decided to do was rigidly mount everything as as hard as possible. So the Mm. harness is in like a plastic sheath, and it's bolted to the frame down tube. Mm. And inside the headlight, there's a cage that actually holds all the connectors very, very firmly. And what's been happening is because the wirings can't really move around, the flex points around the headstock 
They're oh. taking the harnesses out. Strain, mm. like no strain a, relief. A thousand miles. Oh, geez. The harness oh. is done. I'm on. I'm doing my like my seventh. Oh. So um, <clears throat> the older T100s, the older, they're great, especially the carbureted ones. They're wonderful bikes, and you can actually pick them up pretty cheap. I think as a good compromise. I've seen how much money you can throw into CB750s. You know, I built that CB750 for my celebrity client, and that thing sucked up 20 grand. But they did, but he didn't say SOHC or DOHC, and you can still well, pick up DOHC is cheap. Yeah, but you could, they still cost the same amount to bring them back. Well, there's still, but still, there's a lot of parts available out there. Yeah, there are a lot of parts for single overhead yeah. cam ones as well, probably more yeah, so than for, the double forever. overhead cams. I think as a good compromise, how about this, Josh? Because you've obviously got some mechanical knowledge, but you like the, the retro look. Buy yourself a carburetted T100, which basically means you're going to be in the 01 to 09. Buy one in that range and buy something that needs a little bit of work and make it your bike. That way, you're going to end up with something that's actually worth riding. And secondly, you know, you get to work on it a little bit and make it your bike. Quality bonding time. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I'll say, I agree with Nock that, you know, the enthusiasm for riding, a lot of it comes from riding. And right. any sort of a used bike, you're going to have maintenance to do on it. Oh, absolutely. So I agree. Trying to take an old, you know, old, you know, rack of four carbs apart and getting all that stuff done compared to... It, it ain't for the faint of heart. You yeah. know, CB750s are, f are odd bikes. They were really the first superbike. Well, I would argue that my Trident was actually the first superbike by about six months. But the first real superbike was the CB750. But there's a lot of things that are odd about that bike. It's got a really odd way of adjusting the cam chain. It's got two simplex chains as a primary chain, each with their own tensioner. It's got a really weird gear shift system in it there's a lot of things that are just very peculiar to that bike because it was the first of its kind yeah well and the other difference i see is the t100 looks a lot easier to access a lot easier they're to get great your hands oh i can't say get stuff i cannot say enough good things about old carbureted t100s they're indestructible as long as you keep changing the oil in them they're a hundred thousand mile bike easy with doing nothing but I can also say, as somebody who has gone balls deep into a CB750, it didn't require a lot of specialty tools. No, you, you can, can do tear them down with everything simple with simple tools. I always say that an old Honda is the best way to learn how to wrench because you're not that much into it if, uh, if it doesn't pan out. But I'm going to throw a wild card out. Okay. I'm going to throw out a happy medium because we all want, hmm. we, we all kind of suggest maybe get something a little more modern that you're going to enjoy riding. I'm going to say, see if you can find a Kawasaki W650. Yeah, that's a cool They're one. That's a good bike. Big that's a cool bike. Money yeah. now. They are, yeah. but there's a chance you might be able to find one. I mean, it's got a cool bevel drive, like would you, most people don't have. You, you know, want to you want to know a secret? What's that? Kawasaki have released it for 2019. Yep. Yeah. It's the W800, right? Yeah, they, yeah. But it's the same bike. For people who don't know, it basically is a Triumph clone. They're real similar. Well, no, they Kawasaki argue it's a Kawasaki clone sure. because it's a copy of the W2, which itself was a copy of a BSA A10. But it is a 
modern classic that is now. Oh, it's a great looking bike. Vintage. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So there's something about like having all of my first bikes and the bikes that I learned to ride on were basket cases that I had to assemble mm-hmm. and then ride. And to get that as a taste of your mouth as a writer, like I got to be honest, I took about a 10 year break from writing after getting my endorsement before going back because owning a motorcycle that is a pain in the ass. Yeah, an albatross. <laughs> yes. It, it loses its charm quick. Yeah. yeah it, it really does. does. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I hate to. Uh, it, you're absolutely right. And I, I hate to say, you know, but at 20 years old, You've got a lot of bikes to get through. Don't say my next bike's going to be my bike for life because you're going to get out there and you're going to start riding and you start pounding some miles on this. And then maybe you're going to ride a friend's bike and you think, God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. You know? I remember that feeling getting off my Honda Shadow. Right, exactly. (laughs) So both bikes you mentioned, CB750, for what it is, is a great bike, but it's a 70s bike, so the it handles like a shopping mm-hmm. cart. The brakes don't work because it's a 70s bike. And the engine sounds like somebody banging two trash can lids together. <laughs> the T100 is a genuinely good... It's a very charming bike. That's the best way to describe yeah. a T100. It's a charming bike. So they're both good bikes. But if you've been riding around on a T100 and somebody lends you a Super 10 and you take that around the block, you're like, oh... This is something, right, I want a Super 10 now, mm-hmm. you know? Well, that's something that we always say. Um, having a, a vintage or a classic bike or a project bike is a lot of fun, as long as it's your second bike. Yes. So you want to ride go, more than go with any of them and then get a $1,500 KLR, too. Keep that passion alive, though. <laughs> and a $1,500 KLR, <laughs> oh, And a $1,500 KLR, so yeah. you have something that'll start if, every time exactly. and go for a ride. If you would have scrutinized my method, if he buys an older T100 that needs a bit of work, you can't go wrong. Yeah. You absolutely can't go wrong. Yeah, but uh, um, keep the passion of wanting to oh, wrench. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's going to, you know. You're going to have to wrench more than, than well, you want to. It, it's, it's, for it, me, anyways, it's rewarding in, in its own kind of a way. It and, pays um, dividends down the road. Yeah. Next email. All right. This is from Carl Withers. And hey, this, Carl. Oh, does he? Yes. And this <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Carl. Don't darling. we all? Didn't he fight Rocky? Oh, no. Wait, no, it's, no, it's, it's Carl Weathers. It's the cold. It's it's for <laughs> cold weather, I believe. Yes. Carl, darling, and, carry and on. Carl's uh, subject says Harley bashing. Ooh. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> okay, so uh, so Carl writes, long-time listener, second-time writer. My girlfriend listens sometimes and loves Miss Emma's laugh. Tra-la-la. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I ride a 2000 Harley Road Glide with 168,000 miles. Wow. A Chinese M 150cc scooter. Yes. And a KE100. There you go, doing it right. Yeah, my daughter has a 50cc scooter, and my son has an 86 Vulcan 750. Okay. All over the place. Yeah, it says, I am about the ride. (laughs) Yes. I don't care what you ride, and I'm okay the Harley bashing I'm okay with the Harley bashing especially since it's geared towards the riders I can't <laughs> yeah. I can't stand Harley riders with their costumes ride, <laughs> ride the damn thing don't just dress like you do some of the new Harley dealerships are kind of cool but way too many of them are sterile and have way more space for clothes and accessories or bikes mm-hmm. by the way I'm in Champaign in the Champaign Illinois area and if you guys get hung up around here on the way to AMA Vintage Days look me up on the Recycle Garage Facebook friend list and I'll help you 
if I can, tools, garage, couch for Justin. Oh, thanks. Oh, that's nice. Right on. And oh, sweet. Like Jeff Spicoli says, relax, all right. My old man's a television repairman. He's got this <laughs> ultimate set of tools. Man. I can fix it. <laughs> I know you read that in Spicoli's Turner. Yeah. yeah. That was a good Spicoli. Right. Thank you, nice. girl. Z, uh-huh. I know we've got uh-huh. a stack of emails. We can't get to them all. Oh, yeah. I was giving but so we much wanted shit to give a mention this. to people if you could. Uh, yeah, quick mention to uh, Lawrence A., uh, Ken Haylock. There's two of them, actually. Eric Rofel, John Fiorini, <laughs> Ollie, Big Gay Dan, and Patrick <laughs> McNamara. But one of them did ask about the. Uh, he wanted to know why the VFR 750s were so good. And then one of the Ken Haylocks has a lot to say about Henry, yes. about him destroying three motorcycles, make, ah. breaking his leg, and if he's changed his ways or hung up his helmet and what he's done to improve himself. You know, and how his writing is, what who's okay. helped him, and what what's helped him. All right, these are all good. One good question. So the VFR 750s. The reason it is so good is gear-driven cams. Well, I was going to ask, have you guys reviewed this bike? Well, the 750 hasn't been around for a long time, but VFRs in general are awesome because they're good Hondas. Yeah. I mean, that was always a bike that Honda put a lot of cool stuff into. It's, it's a flagship bike. I yeah. mean, everything yeah. Honda knew about bikes, they put in the VFR. Yeah. The only thing really better than the VFR is the NR750, but you didn't get that in America. Ha, ha, ha. There's a few ha, of them. Ha. I think, didn't the people bring them in privately? I didn't know anyone who could afford one back in England. There's a, there's a few of them. There's one at the motorcycle museum down in uh, Solvang, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. I think oh, you okay. sold just the right number for the yeah. homologous. Right, I mean, that was like an that. ego trip, but God, the VFR is a good bike. Yeah. Well, I've had a 750 and two 800s myself. Oh, yeah, they're okay. yeah. oh, wonderful. 800. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. bikes. Yeah. So, oh, and Bry Viffer, he's had a bunch, too. You know, who, you know who that is? Who's that, then? Who is Mike's nemesis? <gasps> what? Paul? Paul? It's Paul! It's Paul! Yeah, Paul's got yeah, the yeah. fucking guy. Um, <laughs> but let's go to the other question from Ken Haylock, because Ken knows a yeah, lot Ken, about Ken safety. Is a so he, he's, his nickname is the Fat Biker. Yeah, the question uh, is, so Henry, have yeah. you, d- you haven't crashed in six months. Almost six months, yeah. Have you done anything different? Uh, yeah, I've basically just sort of adjusted my riding style to be a lot more aware and out of sort of out of situ. I try to put myself out of situations um, if I can help it. Like, just yeah, I've taken so, situational walk. awareness. Did, did you slow down? Are you being more cautious uh, as a rider, more observant, I'm had a, a lot, swivel? I'm a lot more cautious as a rider. Haven't really slowed down all that much though. But <laughs> I uh, slow down when necessary. I would say that if you slow down, all those things that you mentioned earlier is a lot easier to do. Yeah, exactly. Give more time. Yeah, and, and I can tell you guys just um just yesterday speed in the right places. Yesterday when I was riding around town, I got you know, I was on West Cliff and got behind someone going really slow. And there are some points where it is a dashed line. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna wait for. Okay, here it is. I'm just gonna go. Oh, and then somebody pulls out of a parking space. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm just gonna wait for it. And then oh wait, oh they just stopped suddenly because like what are they doing? And uh, just one time after another, and you know, as I was going down the wharf, and I got behind somebody going slow the entire way. So I just want to blow past them. Oh, there's some people just walked out between cars. And each time I went, man, I'm my. I wanted to go for it. I was just right. annoyed. I'm like, I'm just going to be patient. And each time, 
there was an opportunity there that I would have been toast. Right. And that's when you've got to be super vigilant because now the frustration's building. And the more you get frustrated, yeah. Oh, yeah. the more likely you are they to take ne- risks. You should never ride if you're angry, upset, and then, of course, if you get frustrated. Or oh, should never you get start behind the wheel. stupid decisions. Yes. So just, just think about it like this. like Just be patient because you're on a machine that'll, you know, put your eyeballs in the back of your head pretty quickly if you wanted to pretty much any time you but, want it to. So just take it easy. But you know, Ken... When you, get, when, when, you know, when it's appropriate. Yeah, Ken has been listening to us for, God, as long as I can remember, and he's extremely knowledgeable. He's actually put a couple of videos out that you can watch on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ken, thank you for listening. Henry has observedly yep. changed his ways. I have got high hopes <laughs> that Henry's crashing days are behind him. Yeah. And I have some upcoming uh, events. To oh, yes. Oh, there's a whole bunch of shit coming up. A whole bunch of shit. So next week, uh, as I said, um, Bagel, I hope you'll be here because I won't. And okay. uh, I need you to help. Next, run the show next week next week i'll be here i will be in south dakota freezing my ass off near sturgis near sturgis near sturgis, near sturgis. Cool. in the black hills Limey. in the black hills but uh the weekend after that uh, january 26th oh and you guys might want to come back for this oh serge you can't because you can't wear boots because that's the only thing you wear because it's the naked ride oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> i won't be on that one this time <laughs> <laughs> so uh january 26th it's the vampire's naked ride um yeah, you guys know the drill. It happens every year. It's been a wet winter, too. And it's been a wet yeah. winter. Have gas. Have you, have you done this fish, the naked ride? Can't say as I have. It's uh, kind it. of it's our version of a polar bear swim. It happens at night in the middle of winter. So January 26th. And it's just a ride around town that starts by going right up Main Street past the movie ticket lines. And I actually sustained the only injury last year <laughs> because I burnt my knees on the cylinder heads <laughs> of my knees. <laughs> Yeah. And all you wear are um, boots and a helmet. And a smile, darling. And you end up at a hot tub joint. Yeah. yeah. So heated grips are advised? Why not? Yeah. Well, you can wear gloves if you Trust me, sure. your hands are not going to be the coldest part of your <laughs> you can just, just hide a hand warmer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and then the weekend after that, we're finally announcing. It's a big announcement. This is the big. February 2nd. RTE. We're doing the Moto Food Tour. Yeah. yeah. Live to ride, ride yummy, to eat. Live yummy, to ride, yummy. ride to eat. So I don't know if you guys heard about this, but um, there's so much good food down here. We're, we've come up with a ride, and we're going to go to... There's seven stops with a uh, Double Dog Daria eighth Ooh, yeah. surprise, if we can do it. <laughs> but in, in no order, it's Coralitas Sausage, it's Watsonville Strawberries, Salinas Tacos, Moss Landing, Oysters, Castroville uh, Artichokes, Castroville Artichokes, gar- Gilroy Garlic Fries, Gizditch Pie Ranch, Gizditch Pie Ranch, Hills. Yeah, I got Phil's. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, and we're going to do that all in one ride in one day. Yeah. So this area, if you ever look at it on Google Maps, it's southern southern Santa Cruz County, northern Monterey County, and mm-hmm. it's a really fun little network of roads. And it, it's fun because as you're riding through these different things, you can smell a lot of the food. You go oh, to yeah. Watsonville, you smell the strawberry apple. fields, strawberry the ocean. fields. Yeah, the ocean. The, yes. Yeah, all that kind of shit. That's three well, days. Had me at oysters. Any, so, yeah. <laughs> anybody who's driven through uh, Gilroy smells like garlic yeah. on a hot summer mm-hmm. night the oh, yeah. 
smell mm. of garlic is just really strong. That's three days before my birthday. No, you're right. But a lot of these roads that we planned it on are through the orchards, are through the slough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so it's many cool different area. areas. It's going to be beautiful. And we're just going to be kind of crisscrossing back and forth to all these amazing food stops. So that And getting visibly fatter. <laughs> yeah, oh. probably. And then yeah, again, the again, the, just du- your suspension the last double, du- double dog deer stop will be back in Santa Cruz. I, I don't Is it a ghost not pepper? Far, not far from the hospital. Are you uh, <laughs> are uh, making people eat ghost peppers or something like that? No, no, no. It's a good. No, it's no, a good thing. It'll lure you thing. in like a siren knock. Ah. But it's one of those kind of things when you're that full, you can't even think about eating mm. it, but you <laughs> want to. Just a wafer thin. Oh, yeah. Another wafer thin. <laughs> and then just a reminder, on um, February 8th, 9th, and 10th, uh, Jim, Bagel, Knock, Emma, myself, and award-winning Mike. He's, he's getting, Mikey he's getting out. Mikey three times. Mikey mm-hmm. three times. We're all going to be up at the one show. And Serge will be there, too. Serge will be there. Yeah. yeah. Serge Ooh. and Helica, who's the master of puppets behind the whole thing. All and, right. and our friend Austin from Twisted Road. And we've made a whole There'll lot of more There'll be a bunch of friends. people up there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the racing. I mean, that's always a lot of fun. Wiggins, um, is he doing his yeah. business I'm, there? I'm looking, up there with I'm looking Rusty. forward to everything. The whole thing's a hoot. The whole darn thing. And they did uh, change the the ticket uh, structure this year because last year, as you mentioned in the email, um, people got turned away. The line was so long, they were at full capacity. So this time on Saturday, even though it's, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that's open, but on Saturday, they've turned it into three sessions. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, the years we've been, I, I thought that uh, the One Moto and, and that whole crew up there, CC, they do a great job organizing the event, you know. So I, I think this year will just be even. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. So well, come and visit us, well, because and, you have no idea how pretty we actually are. And now, especially that, Jim. And now that we have all <laughs> cut our teeth on mini bike racing. Oh yeah. yeah. I think we need to get in that. Oh, yeah. Should we bring the gimp mask for that? Definitely. The gimp and only, the, the only American bring bald the, uh, Yeah, only if you bring the eagle mask. <laughs> you know, I think, Liza, you should attempt to wear the gimp mask through... The whole thing. <laughs> the TSA checkpoint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell them it's a medical condition. Can't fuck with you that. No. Religious exemption. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. You I get on the plane, the and then you sit down, and then you just zip up the eyes and the mouth. <laughs> That's it? Nope. That's it. <laughs> It's, it's better than a sleep mask, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, I bought this sleep mask from this questionable website. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, the, the nightlife can be good up there, too. I think we're going to have a good time uh, no, we're, after we're, hours, we are going to be exploring the local nightlife. Bring the Lysol knock. As a, former, as a former Oregonian, when you guys need some tips on places, let me know. Yeah. I, uh, All right, before you leave. My old I know something right about, there's something about a strip club with good steak. Uh, the Acropolis. Yes. Uh, Literally my man, favorite place to eat. <laughs> yes. That also, was worth me coming tonight, just that. That's also, the, plus the there, I, I will definitely plug Mary's Club, which is a family-owned strip joint, but also has a great <laughs> selection of taps <laughs> yeah. and fantastic service. You will, hands down, probably never be served more promptly and courteously at a strip club than Mary's Club. Well, and I'm going to say, yeah. I right, know then. at least one day we're going to be going to breakfast at... CC Motor Company. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Motor Cafe. I like that. The place is chill. I do. I like that place. It's it's hipster heaven. But anywhere you can eat <laughs> good breakfast and look at motorcycles, mm-hmm. I'm in. Perfect. Yeah. And, and photograph your breakfast. Isn't that what hipsters do? <laughs> <laughs> Not you don't post uh, it's you like, Yeah, There's you'll get your graduate degree in hipsters pretty soon. Okay, you know? very good. So very thanks good. again, right. to everybody who emailed us in. I keep them coming and uh, to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you very much. Sure. 
shirts are coming. And uh, I did order some extras. So we are going to have a limited amount for sale. That's to Misfits and the listeners. I'll make that announcement when they get here and open up the store and first come, first serve. That's all I got to say on that because it's limited run. Limited, oh, yeah, no. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. I love yeah. it. When I'm not here and you guys put on a show, I get to be... Like the listeners, I have no idea what you guys. Are oh, it's gonna, yeah. oh, we don't know either. Isn't that a wild experience. <laughs> it's it's it really exciting when when it's me and Emma. It's here. gonna be a shit show of yes. epic proportions. Oh, yeah. it, it really is gonna be oh, a, a golden so shower of piss poor entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and thanks again to Surge and Fish for coming down. And as you guys know, now you know Fish open door policy. Come on down, join us anytime. Come on back, y'all. I'll bring the snowmo chop at some point. Yeah, yes. oh, yes. please do. <laughs> it's still Just totally. Right. a reasonable daily writer and I'm not kidding about that nice. awesome uh, it, that would, it would be great to see it because I remember it clearly at Dirtbag mm-hmm. but the thing is at Dirtbag you're so your senses are so assaulted <laughs> by everything else that's going on I would love to actually see a Dirtbag bike out of that environment so you can just revel in just how wacky it is mm-hmm. without being oh uh, look at that and oh look at them so oh, yeah bring it back yourself please. from the spinning rubber too yeah Mm-hmm. So just a reminder, go to citybike.com. You'll find all sorts of great articles. Then, guys. Yeah, you guys, uh, I mean, not only are you talking about the latest topics, but you're doing gear, bike reviews, all sorts of stuff. And anything coming up that you can hint about? Mm, yeah. Uh, you, uh, oh, that didn't sound sexy enough. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we got some good stuff coming up. Um, <laughs> that, this is actually true. Um, we are working on a top secret special project mm. um, that we'll see the light of day uh, pretty soon. Oh, I know what it is. Does it start with a, and end with a? I don't know what those are. <laughs> uh, Your sign language sucks. Yeah, is that last one an E? No. O? Yes. What start? What? Uh, no. <laughs> Maybe, but no. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's some other stuff going on behind the scenes too that may see the light of the day at some point. But this one is uh, is probably going to happen. Uh, I don't know, week, week and a half, something like that. And it's going to be uh, something for the. Um, folks who have been around a long time and kind of mourn the the loss of the print thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and we didn't get into it. Oh, maybe. Oh, we shouldn't. Oh, well, I'm just going to say, because I'm sure you'll have an opinion. And if you can give me just your really abbreviated opinion, because I love reading what you guys have to say. What did you think about the announcement about the new Harley-Davidson live wire and the price we have a story about that on the website well there we go hey (laughs) Uh, short you can hear all about it go to the website and check it out i mean uh i'm not gonna do the whole harley's out of touch blah 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 you know amateur (laughs) kind of thing but like that price is roughly 50 percent of the median income of a american household but it is also an average price for a harley davidson it is buyer but it's not competing against Average Harley right. Davidsons. No. It's competing against no. zeros. You can buy a zero that outspecs that bike for less than half. Right. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's certainly a quote unquote halo bike. I'll do my air quotes here. Um, you know, and certainly there's new stuff coming and it's kind of dumb to just sit on the sidelines and blah, 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 blah. But that bike looks like a kind of non starter as a, 
a reasonable purchase. So is it fair to say you can go to citybike.com and, and read on some Harley bashing? Uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's not exactly hard. I mean, yeah. Oh, okay. You can go to City Bike and read bashing of any motorcycle or motorcyclist, pretty much. Nice. Um, you know, earlier we were talking about the City Bike Minute or whatever. I yeah. would have also mentioned, um, Carrie recently did a story, uh, yeah. Carrie of Motorbird Adventures, mm-hmm. who's been on the show here. Mm-hmm. Um, cool did chick. A, yeah, very cool chick. She cool did people. a story yeah, about... Cool. Um, going to Baja and kind of running into some, uh, you know, sexism and stuff. And yeah. she runs a women's only tour company. And we were talking earlier about, you know, the off-road community being a little rough on women, probably an understatement. Um, and so she wrote a story about that. And it's been kind of funny because both on Facebook and on the website, we've gotten a lot of comments of like, well, it's stupid to have women only. And, and it, it just kind of like illustrates the point that the story made. Why, the, why there is women only things? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because so, of that attitude? Yeah, that's that one's definitely worth reading. Well, um, there you go. I so. think ju- there's a lot of reasons to go there. You guys have a lot of good articles, and I remember seeing those as well. And um, you have a Facebook presence, so if you like your page on Facebook, a lot of these stories will come in your feed. That's how yeah. I find a lot of them. Nice. Yeah, although like last time we talked, I'm, I, I'm every day I'm closer to the, like, fuck this Facebook shit. Uh, <laughs> I think we all yeah. get to that point. Yep. Understandable, dude. Uh, I got to that point two years ago. Facebook recovering addict. Haven't gotten back since. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good for you. Wow. All right. Well, thank you guys for right. coming. We appreciate it. Thanks Open door. Us. Come on down anytime. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Liza. Henry. This is Doc. Emma Darling. Fish. Surge. Z. Bagel. This is Jim. <laughs> and go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com to find links to everything. We are out of here. Cool, cool. cool.